Welcome to episode 139 of the Grip Strip Podcast, uh, Pandora's Box edition of the Grip Strip Podcast. Uh, my name is Philip Matthew. I'm your host. And my co host, as always, is Josh Fine. What's going on, brother? Hey, I'm doing great, Phil. Um, you know, had a had a good weekend here. Uh, you know, I did a little bit of racing myself this weekend and went go-karting for a bit, and I had the fastest time by like three seconds, and so I was flat flying around the track, uh, but uh, faster than everybody, uh, and probably too fast for everybody. But um, you, you know, flat flying out there, yeah, exactly. Yeah, like you aren't going to go tailback. Yep, yep. <laughs> but yeah, I'm. You know, good weekend and everything. Uh, you know, we have a lot to talk about for racing, of course. And, you know, we got our, you know, usual guests on here, Joe Pacero. We'll let him introduce himself. But, you know, always glad to have him back on the show and everything. And, of course, you know, glad to see you again. And, you know, of course, we met up in person a couple of weeks ago at uh, Disney Springs and everything. So, you know, glad to have you on here as well uh, tonight. Yeah. yeah, and oh, sorry, man. I didn't want to interrupt you there. I wanted to give you your, an, a proper introduction. Our regular contributor, fellow North East East Coast guy, uh, NASCAR aficionado, the person I go to if I really, other than Josh, if I really need to know my NASCAR stuff. Uh, he writes for Fanside and Beyond the Flag. His name is Joe Passero. What's going on, brother? Thanks. Thanks. Thank you for the proper introduction. Although Josh, your yours was great as well. Um, yeah, you know, I was I was on the road for a few weeks. So anybody who was following my Twitter, uh, you know, I apologize for my absence up until this weekend. But uh, I was in Florida. I got, had some time to meet up with Jeff. Watched the Talladega race at House of Blues. I was on the road the following week. I was actually in the stands Finger at the Rose Bowl. Um, and, and boy, was that a race. And uh, and now we've got Vegas. There's been a lot happening in NASCAR these past few weeks. I feel like it's just nonstop every day. I'm on Twitter so much trying to figure out what the heck is going to happen next. And I just can't pinpoint it like I usually can. So that's an, it's an interesting feeling. But uh, I'm glad to be here. Thank you guys for having me. It's always fun coming on here. So I'm, I'm excited. We get a lot. There's a lot to cover. A lot to cover just based on our usual pre-show conversations. I think there has to be a thing where the same way as they do it on the Grid Talk podcast, which I'll, I was on uh, this past weekend previewing the U.S. Grand Prix, and I'll also be hosting the qualifying, post-qualifying show uh, for the U.S. Grand Prix. So um, please tune in to that. George Housen has uh, been on this show before other guys have been on uh, Tom Horrocks from the monkey Z podcast has been on this show. So we've had people from the grid talk crew. We, we usually talk off air and it's really fun. It's either really funny off really off color or we get into some really good stuff. The way the three of us end up talking about stuff, we always get into something. So hopefully we'll remember all that here and that's more about uh, Josh and Joe because um, my memory is not that great. Um, but, well, that's a lie, but it depends on what it's about. Uh, we're going to get into everything that happened at Vegas. Uh, Pizza Face is in the Final Four every even year for the last, I think, four even years. The elimination style. He has made the uh, Final Four, him and his whatever four, five kids. I don't know how many freaking kids he has. Like, he, it seems like every year they make another kid. He's like trying to be the Robert Sala of NASCAR. 
um, Joey Logano making all these like pizza faced kids, but God bless him. He's in the final four. Um, but that really wasn't the story uh, of the day. We're going to get into the story of the day, which was um, Daryl Wallace Jr. and Kyle Larson. Daryl Wallace Jr. has put out a statement here in the last hour uh, during uh, prior to our recording on Monday. So uh, we'll read that. We'll give our thoughts on everything that happened there. Um, Joe being at the Roval, he had takes and thoughts from that, and it'll connect into the whole Stuart Haas situation that um, blocking Queen, um, uh, uh, what the hell is that that, that bitch's name? Um, the, Cold Custard. Cold no, 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 yeah, no, I'm talking about the writer. No, I'm talking about the, the writer, the, the AP bitch. Oh, um, Jenna Fryer? Jenna Fryer. Yeah, she, she broke that uh, story. So we'll go and connect all of that together. And that also connects to the first driver of the 41 car, uh, Kurt Busch, announcing his stepping away from full-time competition. Uh, because of the injuries sustained at Pocono, uh, which have basically, you know, whatever, it's a, essentially concussion protocol type uh, brain injury uh, situation, which is the same kind of deal that Tua Tungavailoa is going through in the NFL, uh, but it was a little more extreme in the sense of what happened to Tua. Um, we'll get into Kurt Busch will give our thoughts on what uh, on the guy and uh, guys are going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. Has uh, won twenty five races in a championship, one of the Daytona five hundred, one of six hundred. Uh, he's going to be in the. He'll be in first ballot. Uh, what is he going to do next? I guess. I mean, we're. I'm not so sure about what we know. What he's going to do next? I know he's going to work for twenty three eleven. So we'll get into that. We're going to talk about the points. Uh, going into Homestead for the Cup Series. We'll also get into Josh Berry's huge victory at uh, Las Vegas repeating this year. So second year in a row, Josh Berry wins in the Xfinity Series, driving the A-car this time. He is now locked into the Final Four, and which is huge in points-wise because the top two or three guys that are in points are now have a little bit more to sweat about. Uh, top, uh, junior Motorsports one two three again. Nor Gregson definitely not happy. Uh, looked kind of pukey, but then that's Nor Gregson. He pukes all the time. Uh, probably needs to figure out why he does that. But uh, we'll get into those points as well. We'll talk about the trucks later on. We'll make our picks. Uh, roundup will include MotoGP and Moto Two at at. Phillip Island, the MotoGP race at Phillip Island was insane. I just watched the highlights of the race, and it was unbelievable. Uh, NHRA Fall Nationals uh, in Dallas, where um, Tony Stewart, I'm wearing his uh, his SRX championship shirt. Um, he was there with his wife and um, his other driver, Matt Hagen, who was p- the leader in points and funny car. We'll talk about the results there. We'll preview uh, rally Spain and the World Rally Championship and World Superbikes in Argentina. We will get into week six for the NFL. It was not pretty for either of our teams, actual teams for Josh and myself. Um, I will say for 
Josh, at least Trevor Lawrence scored a couple of rushing touchdowns to save me. Uh, but a rare loss to Indianapolis um, took Matt Ryan going back in time to like 2006 or whenever the hell he came into the NFL throwing for nearly 400 yards, um, throwing to each and every person on earth. I think he was throwing to guys that came out of the stands um, to help them win that game. Uh, the Niners lost more people yesterday to injury because none of our players can seemingly play on turf. Um, lost to Marcus Mariota and the Atlanta Falcons 28-14. to 14. My fantasy teams are getting smoked. Uh, two out of my three teams are losing, so that's great. Um, Leeds lost yesterday to Arsenal, but Arsenal's pretty good. Uh, Yankees are supposed to play game five, but it's raining. It's, it's just great. Uh, with, speaking of just great, Miss Hummer will be back this weekend on the Sky broadcast to talk about the U.S. Grand Prix, where Max Verstappen will continue his quest to break the all-time wins record in the season. We'll get into all that at Coda, where uh, Mario Andretti's name will be the Andretti Corner. They just call it the Andretti is the final corner, which is one of the shittiest corners at the track. You would think they would name the first corner the Andretti Corner because that's a really cool one. Or, I don't know, the corner that leads into one of the best breaking zones on one of the only passing zones on the track. Name that the Andretti Corner. No, you name the last corner at Coda the Andretti whatever. He got, he just drove a Formula One car from 2013. Guy's 80-something years old. He's better than frickin' Marco. He could go and qualify for the Indy 583. I think he could actually do some work. Michael should do that. That would be good PR for AARP. Can you imagine for all the retirement benefits and all the other people for the prescription benefits? Hey, look at me. I'm Mario Andretti. I'm one of the greatest race car drivers of all time. I'm 83 years old. I just qualified for Indy 500. And I'm going to go and tell you about prescription coverage instead of having Jimmy J.J. Walker... Uh, and Joe Namus crazy ass telling you about that. But we'll preview the U.S. Grand Prix. We'll talk about Homestead. Josh will tell us how great he is at go-kart racing, which makes sense since he's really good at the sim racing too. So yeah, um, we should go all meet together once the new supercharged uh, go-kart place opens up here, like about 15, 20 minutes away from me, the biggest go-kart track in the country or whatever um indoor go kart track really freaking cool that that one that one i'm probably going to be spending a lot of time there and uh drinking a lot of adult beverages to see if how how much um my um trying to really follow through on some of the legends of motorsports and um their exploits in that but Let's get into Las Vegas. I mean, I know Joe will give you a little bit of time to go and talk about um, everything you experienced during the last few weeks and then kind of transition it into some of the news stories of recent times. But Joey Logano is the winner in the South Point Casino 400, which was, uh, there wasn't, I mean, to be fair, the racing, there was... Uh, you know, 18 lead changes amongst 11 drivers, but it, it really was centered around the Penske guys. I mean, Blaney, I, we could go down a road with Blaney here, uh, won the second stage, but trying to close the deal, lock yourself into the final four, get become the 20th different winner of the year. He 
I don't know. Uh, we have to wonder about him, and it's kind of it's interesting how it is with Brian Blaney. But Joey Logano has proven himself. He won his thirtieth career race, which I mean, dude has been at this what thirteen, fourteen years, uh, you know, full time and whatever. He started in two thousand eight, limited schedule. He was left for dead after his Gibbs uh, career. Uh, Brad Keselowski said, hey, let's go and pick him up um, after the whole A.J. Allmendinger deal happened. And by God, Roger Penske hit gold with him. And uh, championship, first Daytona 500 for the organization, uh, amongst other things that... um, Second, oh, no, second champion, my fault. Or, no, Brad did. My fault. Brad got the first cup championship in 2012, um, but he got him a championship. He got him the first Daytona. Or, oh, no, that's right. Newman second, did get the first Daytona. Yeah. So um, it's a good thing Joe's on here to go and correct me because I'm trying to go and put, I'm trying to upsell Joey Logano. And I guess he's, he's still doing good because uh, I don't think he's ever going to get fired. Uh, Shell Pennzoil loves him a lot, so um, Auto Trader and some of his other sponsors. But he has a real shot here. Uh, third win of the season. I mean, he's had many three win seasons, which is really in this day and age of NASCAR Cup racing to be able to win three races or more for a lot of seasons is tough. Um, and to be to be that consistent, and he's been one of the more consistent drivers this year. And um, in this case, he did his job, 30th victory of his career, two away from Dale Jarrett, um, which is a good good benchmark. But the bigger thing is him and Paul Wolf are both trying to get that second championship and really set themselves apart um, in this day and age of NASCAR. Joey Logano, Ross Chastain was battling him hard. Ross Chastain had a great car in March at Las Vegas, wasn't able to close. Here, he got he raced hard, led 68 laps, most laps of anybody, but fell just a little bit short of that final four appearance that Trackhouse was looking for. Kyle Busch finishes third at home, uh, former winner there, of course. Spun out early in the race. Chase Briscoe, who was absolute dog shit for, I think, half the race. Um, more than half. More than half the race. And um Klaus Meyer and that crew, they went and made a two tire call or whatever it is, and Chase went and put it on his back and brought him up to a point where he was on the front row with Justin Haley for two restarts in a row, beat him the first time. The second time, uh I forget what happened there, but the I think, Chast- his I think that was the restart Chastain Chastain. Went and side drafted, broke him up, and he was able to go airmail the 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 fence and uh, passed him. Or else there might have been a possibility that there would have been two Twitter meltdowns. One for the incident that we're going to talk about in a little bit, but also Chase Briscoe making the final four, which would have had me um, probably close to death because I wouldn't know how the fuck to handle a car that was absolute trash um lapped he was he bubble was a few like a couple like gonna pass ty dylan to put him a lap down and would have meant that chase briscoe would have not had the lucky dog uh but denny hamlin finishes fifth started 31st uh tyler reddick 
started on pole, led twice for 32 laps, finished sixth. That Truex kid from Mayetta, New Jersey, that Jones boy from Byron, Michigan, A.J. Adderallmendinger, and bald spot Dylan in his 333rd start. And they showed his stats, and they're like bragging about he's had 333 starts, and they're showing his stats, and I'm like, probably don't want to put that out there. He's not that good. And when Kyle Busch starts driving for them, it's going to be more obvious how bad Austin Dillon is. And, and, and to be fair, his younger brother has become a total mediocrity because now his career, he went from Spire to like a better ride in GM, Petty GMS, and now he's going to go back down, or, or not Spire, to Gaul, or whatever, Jermaine to Petty GMS to now Spire. So it must be because his wife's hot. That's the only justification that there would be for hiring Ty Dillon to drive anything because his wife is I follow her on on Twitter I'm on Instagram but it's not because Ty it's because of Ty Dillon it's because she's hot and she's a cheerleader former cheerleader but let's get back to the racing uh Clyde finished 21st and was a non-factor it's one of his worst racetracks I think he's very glad that Las Vegas isn't the final race of the season or else the oh, the Chase Elliott faith the the redneck Jesus faithful would uh, probably have a conniption because their boy can't race there. They're all trying to get Alan Gustafson fired. Um, maybe he just sucks at that racetrack. Uh, Brian Blaney twenty eighth after he wrecked. Christopher Bell uh, was finished thirty fourth, and Kyle Larson, who's still involved in the owners' championship, is thirty fifth. So those are all the playoff contenders there um byron finished 13th uh got some stage points so josh i'll start with you uh joey logano getting that victory is huge for um penske for ford which has been on the back foot for a lot of the year uh look like a ford benefit for a lot of it especially with the penske guys all three penske guys um briscoe came out of nowhere and almost made it really, really interesting. Um, then you had your usual suspects. Some of the Chevy teams with um, the Trackhouse group had a great run. Uh, of course, Tyler Reddick running out his string with RCR and a couple others there. But uh, Toyotas, too, had their chances in race trim. They didn't have as much in qualifying. But Joey Logano, chance to win a second championship. Yeah, I mean, just a, yeah, another chance for him to win his second championship. And, you know, he was up front, you know, in stage two, um, you know, trading the lead with his teammate Ryan Blaney. Um, and then, you know, the last part of the race, they're battling with uh, Ross Chastain there. And, you know, I think you could tell that, you know, he had the better handling car at the end of the race. Uh, just looked like, um, you know, in the center of the corner and coming off corner exit that Ross Chastain was struggling, um, you know, despite having, uh, you know, trying to, you know, block and use the air to, uh, you know, his advantage there. Um, he was still able to, um, for, uh, for Joey Logano was still able to catch up and get to the lead. And then he just had a whale of a run in the middle of turn three and four with, you know, three laps to go in the race and, you know, managed to, uh, get around, uh, Ross Chastain and just, a you know, incredible run there. And, you know, look, look, uh, way faster in the corner and just took a completely different line there, which allowed him to make that pass and, uh, you know, take the lead there for the win. Uh, so now Joey Logano, of course, now in, in contention for the championship, 
uh, and you know now we have to talk about him as a serious contender here uh, going to Phoenix, which you know it's definitely possible. You know we've uh, seen him in Phoenix before, but you know now with the way that this field is, there's a good chance that we see uh, Joey Logano pick up you know his second uh, career Cup Series championship. And of course, uh, at the beginning of the year won the uh, Bush Light Clash in Los Angeles. Uh, so if he's able to cap out the year uh, with the championship, that's a you know pretty good bookend, uh, you know between uh, that and you know going out to winning the championship. So uh, just a, a good weekend for you know Penske. I, I think in general, um, you know of course Ryan Blaney had a flat tire and uh, crashed on the back stretch, but he still had a good effort there and was able to kind of uh, you know have stage points as a. Uh, consolation for uh, the poor finish there, which kind of keeps him alive in the uh, the championship, uh, and you know being able to go to uh, Phoenix. So we'll see if they're able to pull it out there. Uh, but you know, for uh, Ross Chastain, yeah, this is a missed opportunity because, uh, of course, he had the lead there less than uh, five laps to go with uh, with that lead. And uh, if he's able to win, you know, now we're talking about Ross Chastain. Uh, at Phoenix and uh, which is, I think even a bigger storyline because uh, you know, he's never been in the playoffs before until this season, uh, second year uh, full-time in the cup series. Um, and you know, this is an upstart team in track house. So it would, I mean, obviously he's still in contention right now, but you know, you don't know what's going to happen at Homestead. You know, what's going to happen at, at Martinsville. There's still opportunities there for mistakes, getting caught up in somebody else's mess, or, you know, maybe Denny Hamlin's going to finally, you know, use, I mean, even though, you know, people think maybe Pocono, uh, was the opportunity there. Maybe Denny Hamlin's really going to have it out for him at, at, um, Martinsville or something and, and, you know, spin him out there and take him out of contention. We'll see, but, um, it could, you know, I still think that, you know, that card is still there. Uh, so we'll see what happens, but you know, if, if anything like that happens, you know, uh, Chastain is really going to regret not winning this race. Um, cause you know, he had a really good car here, led 68 laps, um, you know, just like in the the spring in March, he led a lot of laps, and you know shows that uh, trackhouse racing. You know they they've got a good piece uh, at Las Vegas. You know both times that they showed up there. You know they both. I think you know Dale or yeah Dale Suarez ran well good uh, here too. So you know I think for Chastain and and the rest of the trackhouse racing um, you know team, they have a, a good effort to be proud of. But you know I think. Um, you know, they're probably wishing that they had won that race to secure their spot here uh, in the championship four. Yeah. And that's something that, you know, talking about Ross Chastain and what might happen to him, it might happen next, this coming weekend at Homestead. I mean, it's a track where Denny Hamlin has in inflicted his type of retaliation in the past to certain drivers. Uh, but yeah, mi- missed opportunity, but, uh, the points, and this is how I'll throw it to you, Joe. Uh, Logano's in. Ross Chastain's plus 18. Chase Elliott, after finishing 21st and being completely nowhere this whole entire weekend, is plus 17. And Denny Hamlin's plus 6. William Byron's minus 6. Chase Briscoe stays even after everything. He's minus 9 uh, from what he was last week. Uh, and Brian Blaney's minus 11. Christopher Christopher Bell, after the unfortunate being the innocent bystander and the other in the incident we're going to get into in a little bit, 
minus 23, kind of in a do-or-die scenario here in the next two weeks. Uh, going to Homestead, a track that he's really good at. But, I mean, your thoughts, what, you're, what you saw here at uh, at Las Vegas, this race was kind of, it, it was pretty, pretty tame. Uh, there weren't a whole hell of a lot that happened after that one incident. And uh, tires actually held up. They were wearing, but the gas mileage was longer than they thought, so there wasn't a whole lot of pit stops. The restarts were insane. Um, kind of reminded me of circa 2011, uh, where uh, Tony was making some of those Hail Mary moves that he did. Might make sense considering what Chase Briscoe's doing 11 years later. But um, what were your thoughts on the race yesterday and Joey Logano locking himself into the Final Four? So, I mean, just to start off with kind of the the last thing you said, this did feel like a a really calm mile and a half race with this new car. Um, At the start of the year, we had a stretch of really good mile and a half races where uh, it was a lot of passing, a lot of back and forth, a lot of you could kind of run anywhere and be competitive. And uh, we didn't lose that. I wouldn't say we lost it, especially not totally. Um, I think maybe we lost it a little bit. It felt much more like a Gen 6 race uh, to me with, with this car. And, uh, and I noticed, you know, with the Gen 6 car, it was a very popular thing to, uh, you know, if you're the car in front, you're getting chased down by somebody, you know, if that car, if you take that line away, it makes them real aerotight and, you know, they slide up the track. This was really the first time I noticed so much of that with this new car, which is interesting. I don't know if, you know, the teams have just dialed in their cars to the point where the diffusers are not really cleaning up the air anymore. Like they, uh, like they were at the start of the year. Um, or if it, it's just, I mean, inevitably the effect of it is going to happen. Um, and it wasn't as bad this weekend as what we would see with the gen six, but, um, I did think that was interesting. And I think that means that teams are really, uh, where they're getting to the point where they're fine tuning. They're not really engineering like they were at the start of the year. Um, as far as the race go itself, I mean, Joey Logano, I think I came on this podcast at the start of the playoffs and I said, Joey Logano scares me and he should scare everybody else because he's doing exactly what he did when he won the 2018 championship. He was very quiet, very few wins during the regular season, but he was around, Uh, got into in the second half of the season, a stretch of really consistent runs. He built on that in the playoffs, won the opening race of the round of eight, which he's now just done again to advance to the final four. And after he won, that was Martinsville that year in 2018. He said, we're the championship favorite. And, you know, me, I, I kind of brushed that off because you had guys who had eight wins who were going to be in the final four, right? And sure enough, lo and behold, he was able to do it. To me, that that win was a statement win more than anything for Joey Logano and that 22 team. Um, I definitely came into the playoffs this year with more confidence than I had in that team that I had in 2018. But um, that that should scare every one of the playoff teams now because now they that 22 team has three weeks or two weeks to prep that phoenix car uh to go out and to have a good race so um you know for him that was a really important win because i think this is going to enable that 22 team to really hone in on phoenix and phoenix only and uh i i think that's a huge advantage in terms of going out there to win the championship uh chastain was definitely impressive you know i've been a little worried about him throughout the course of the playoffs he kind of has fallen to the wayside quite honestly Uh, we haven't seen a whole lot of him being really strong and yesterday i didn't think he had the strongest car 
but he had a strong showing, and that's really important. Um, Elliot, man, I'm just going down the grid here as they stand now. Elliot, uh, you know, I- I'll be honest. So I know statistically this is one of his worst tracks, but this year they have been doing really well at tracks that have not really been that you know the nine team style of track. And uh, quite honestly, too, I was a little surprised because you know he's he runs relatively decent mid race, but it was not there, and it was almost like they gave up. Really, I, I mean, at, I want to say with like seventy laps to go, they were doing a a run through the playoff field, and they they said Chase Elliott and Alan Gustis, and basically they they weren't going to make any more adjustments to it. Like, what are you doing, right? Take two tires, do something. You can't just sit there and watch your points lead dwindle. That's that's abusing your points lead. You can't do that, right? Seventeen up. That's not safe. You lost half your lead because you ran twentieth all day. Come on. And, you know, they should be worried because they're not very good at Miami either. So, I mean, I don't want to say he's going to go into Martinsville and a must win, but there's a decent chance he's got to walk out of Martinsville with a top five and no worse. And stage points. He didn't get much of that. Uh, Actually, he didn't get any of that this week. So, Denny Hamlin, I I thought it was interesting because his car seemed really dialed in and he made comments that he felt like they were off. Um, That, to me, also kind of scares me. You know, Hamlin's good at this time of year. He, He always... It seems like the past few years, just as they get late in the season, they're always good. And then for whatever reason, they they make the final four and it's like they can't do anything once they get there. Byron is Byron and Briscoe, quite honestly, they're, they're the two really interesting ones to me because neither of them indicated to me after like the seventh or eighth race of the year that they were championship material. And we've come into the playoffs now and both have convinced me or one of them's convinced me one of them is still convincing me, but they're getting better. Um, you know, they're convincing me that they can get to the final four. I don't know if they can win the championship. Um, you know, Byron doesn't really, uh, Phoenix is not really his track. I, I, he's, I, mean, I thought it was interesting that he ran so well at Martinsville, uh, the past few years. I think 2020 was the first time he finished second to, uh, Truex in one of those races. It's a Hendrick track though. It is right. Phoenix, though, is not so much a Hendrick track, and that, you know, could... I, I mean, maybe he gets the Final Four, but I, I still struggle to see him winning the championship. They're still a little bit off, I think, compared to where the rest of the eight are. Uh, Briscoe, man, he can win the championship. He can he can get to the Final Four, and he can win at Phoenix. I mean, he did it earlier this year. There's no doubt about that. Um, it would be really interesting to see the fan reaction and see nascar's reaction if that happens. i'm good for that i'm good for that after he choked <laughs> away a championship after winning nine races in 2020 um and let his 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 good buddy uh, gumby go and win that championship austin Sindrick. but austin Sindrick, to be fair post post pandemic break that they had in in nascar at that point that 22 team started building up and they were at a different level after uh i'll let you keep on going but after briscoe's indie win which was huge and awesome the 22 team was the best team they deserved it but still you should be able to show up at the final race and do something if it was at homestead which we'll get into here in a little while uh it might have went a little different but yeah, the 14 team is working on some vibes. I, I get you on that one. Um, you also have Rodney Childers sitting in the background 
and Kevin Harvick knowing full well what's best for the team, uh, trying to put the next generation of what whatever this team may be over. Um, Klaus Meyer is not a terrible crew chief. He's not a great crew chief. He's just all right. But he's been making good, good calls. Weekend, he's been making good calls during this playoff. This is the best he's looked. It's almost like a reverse Darian Grubb, where Darian Grubb started really good, became really bad. He knew he was getting fired, so he became good again. Klaus Meyer is not getting fired, even though you know you have Richard Boswell in the Xfinity series crew chiefing a nobody. You could just put him in the Cup series, and it would be a great combination. Um, Crossmeyer's crew chief for freaking um, Clint Boyer, so that doesn't count for anything because it's Clint Boyer. Um, then I, I, I'm trying to figure out who the hell he crew chief for. Or no, he had to deal with Eric Almirola, where Eric Almirola actually looked like he was pretty good. So it's almost like they could go and swap them back to the 10 car. Cause Eric Almirola is going to be there for another couple of years. So go and do that. Who cares? He'll finish 15th. You can sell all the bacon you want. Um, and then go and get Boswell over to the 14. But in regards to right now, he's doing a great job. Pit crew is one of the best pit crews on in, in the sport. And I think they made a couple adjustments since the four is out. I think they might've gotten one or two people from the four team, but I, I completely, um, and I'll completely co-sign on anything that puts the 14 over because it'll just, it just would make me happy. The, the, uh, the NASCAR Twitter, NASCAR social media is so toxic, and we're going to get into something that's really toxic. But, oh, just to see the ang- anger at Chase Briscoe making the final four, it would just, it, it would, it would, Oh, I'm not going to say what I was just thinking right there, but it, it would just make me really happy. You would thrive in it. Yes, I would. Um, but I, I think, you know, the two that really surprised me, and I think probably surprised most people, Blaney and Bell, and, and not necessarily in their performance, because their performances up until the times that each driver had their respective incident uh, were were very good. Um, their, uh, their finishes were not as indicative of their running as their running was. Um, Blaney, I mean, he had that problem. He was dropping back, but he was second or third or fourth or something when that happened. He was up at the front of the field and, you know, just, I I don't know if, if the tire had just gotten soft and started to go or if the handling really snapped bad on him, but, uh, whatever the case is, you know, he was going to be plus, he was going to be plus the, over the cut line. And, and that incident really took away a lot of points from him. I mean, look, he's minus 11. That You can easily point 11 uh, in, you know, just uh, by having a little bit of luck with some of the drivers ahead of him uh, losing ground. Or, if you know, if he just runs a really good race like he was running at Las Vegas and just finishes it off. But um, it seems like that's the problem, though, with the 12 team. They just can't finish, right? They, they just cannot finish off a good run for whatever reason. And a lot of it's been out of their control. But uh, it's just been so hard for the 12 team this year. And as far as Bell goes, you know, being minus 23, that's a taller task. Now, with two races left, yes, I still believe that he can point his way in. But let's be honest, if everybody in the eight's having a good run, you're only going to make up about 10 points tops. Um, So he's really got to chew into this lead this weekend in Miami. And then he's really got to have a good run at Martinsville. Now, luckily... To me, both of those tracks, based on the way that he's performed and Gibbs has performed, those should be two decent tracks for him. He should go there with some good pieces and uh, have 
something to say, right? Maybe not a winning car, but he should definitely have a, a say in you know, the top 10 and who's going to be in it and who's not and who's going to be in that final four. I still think he can point his way in, but, um, you know, he, he is, if I can't help but wonder now, right? Cause they won at the Roval, their backs were against the wall. They had to win. If he were to be in another must win situation, if something happened this weekend at Miami, I think that would actually make that team more dangerous to advance to the final four, because now they have the confidence that, you know, we, we can go out and we can put a, a you, we can do this clutch, right? We don't need to point our way in. Um, and that's a really dangerous thing because Kevin Harvick for a while was able to tap into that mentality and he was able to win a lot of must win situations. And that drove him into the final four for many, many, many years. Um, so that that's really dangerous for me to, to think of. Um, there are a lot of good teams in this final four, some that or in the final eight, uh, again, some that I question, but you know, as far as how they ran at Las Vegas, you know, it's concerning to see Chase Elliott do so poorly. It's concerning to, uh, see Blaney and bell just continue to struggle, um, and have issues. I mean, poor bell, he's probably, uh, he's probably owed a few really good finishes. Um, and Blaney as well, but bell, I think more so because bell really, to me, if he gets to Phoenix, He's going to be very competitive when he gets there. He likes those style tracks, those, uh, you know, the flatter tracks. He's very good there. And uh, Phoenix is indeed a really flat track. So, um, you know, there is a lot of ways that this can play out over the next three races. And I'm really intrigued because Miami, you know, I actually find Miami quite similar to Las Vegas uh, in, in some ways. And so I can't help but wonder, you know, if we see another week that's very similar to this week, you know, these points are going to look a lot different than what we originally had when we reset this round. Yeah. I mean, this having Homestead Miami in this spot, I mean, personally, I wish you put, you just swap them in Phoenix and it would be even better. Uh, but having Homestead in this spot after Vegas, two cookie cutters, but they're two totally different tracks. Essentially, Homestead is what Atlanta sort of kind of used to be in a smaller way. Um, very rough, very old surface. They haven't, I don't think they've resurfaced a track in like 20 years or thereabouts. I think they might have had like one one reseal or something in between that um, since they redid it in 03. Uh, high line up against the wall. Guys like, you know, Will Byron, uh, he blew up trying to win a championship or something happened to him and uh he wasn't able to win that championship it was at homestead or wherever it is i'm thinking he had some issue in the truck series was, um, yeah the year in the trucks he blew an engine at phoenix he got eliminated and then and got eliminated and he won Miami. the race at homestead yeah um chase briscoe won the last race for brad keselowski racing there at homestead I think that might have been that same race, maybe, or might I might be mixing up the years. I think I think it was kind of feel that way. Year off. I kind of feel like it was because then he had no he had no job, and then it somehow or another became oh I'll run a couple of truck races, I'll run some races in in the Michelin Pilot Challenge, and he ended up getting that um, Xfinity deal where he was driving the 60 car the death knell 60 car where all three drivers have ended up being able to get out of that 
Um, you have Christopher Bell, who's won a championship, running at Homestead, running well there. He knows how to run the fence. Um, at the end of the day, those are three guys. There are three of the four that are out. And, um, you know, I think they're they're tough. Um, Hamlin has had plenty of chances at Homestead. He has won there in the pandemic year. He won there. But otherwise, in closing situations, which has always been a problem for Denny Hamlin, he hasn't been able to close. Um, Chastain has never really been in this spot ever in his career. So it's interesting to see what him and Trackhouse, a brand new organization, what are they going to do? Yes, they have a lot of experience. Yes, they have a lot of people there that know what it's like to run for a championship. But Ross Chastain's never run for one. Phil Surgeon's never run for one as a crew chief. I, I, I don't know what Phil Surgeon's like tree is to get to the point where he became a crew chief, but he's a wild card. The same way as Chase Briscoe's a wild card, um, Ross Chastain's a wild card. Clyde, the expectations are there. They've won a championship. He's the most popular driver. Hendrick Motorsports lost Kyle Larson, um, likely because of what happened at the Roval, which we'll get into here in this next segment, which is going to be like an overview of a lot of big news items, um, you know, with penalties and stuff. The 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 notion is Chase Elliott has to make the final four. If he doesn't, it would be a failure, um, and you'd have to question a lot of things. Now, nothing's going to change. They're going to keep the team together and everything. That's fine. But you really have to question uh, Chase Elliott's viability um, long term because after last year when he got completely um, railroaded by his teammate, which I think was a work by Hendrick and everybody to go and make him into some sort of cult hero, which he is a cult hero. Definitely emphasis on cult. Um, minus his talent and all that. I, I get it. He's talented and all, but, um, you know, I think Jimmy Johnson would have won his eighth championship with that team too. I mean, honestly, but they cut him loose. I told him, yeah, we, we want Kyle Larson. So you can go ahead and you can retire. Um, the notion is if Chase Elliott doesn't get to the final four, at least whether he wins a championship or not, who knows? But if he doesn't make the final four, it would be a failure on his part. Cause he dominated the regular season. It was, he was by far the fastest driver across the regular season when races on different types of tracks, he needs to make it. So this next two weeks is huge for him. If the, not anybody else, I mean, Christopher Bell, He's free rolling. Adam Stevens, guy who's won two championships. He wants to prove he can do it with another driver. Um, same as other crew chiefs like the great Buddy Parrot and other people who have done that over the years. Or I don't know if Buddy Parrot. I, I might be wrong about that. I think there's there's been crew chiefs that have done it with two different drivers. Um, Dale Inman, the great Dale Inman, did it with two different drivers. Uh, but if Adam Stevens can do it. Uh, with Christopher Bell, it could be the start of a great relationship um, that would go for a long time because Gibbs better not let Christopher Bell or Adam Stevens go because every team in NASCAR would be willing to sign them for whatever they're worth. I know Tony Stewart would open the checkbook for both of them. But Speaking of Christopher Bell, he was the unfortunate um, bystander of a uh, Big wreck after the end at the start of stage two. Uh, Daryl Wallace Jr. 
won the first stage and had a really fast race car, same car he won with at Kansas, and um, restart there to start the second stage. Kyle Larson, defending series champion, raced him hard and, um, you know, didn't have grip underneath uh, Bubba Wallace, kind of washed up, didn't look like, if anything, it was like an arrow kind of deal. Didn't really didn't put a, didn't put his car on him. Uh, the reality is Kyle Larson, his car control is one of a handful. I'm wearing the shirt of one of those kind of people, um, like Mario Andretti, AJ, like that's that kind of level. He didn't hit him, so Bubba felt he got forced into the wall. Bubba took it into his um, into his own hands. Uh, his I'll bring up his. Uh, his uh, mea culpa here. He posted it as Good reflection. Word, mea culpa. <laughs> yeah. Uh, as reflection, period. Uh, I want to apologize for my actions on Sunday following the on track incident with Kyle Larson and number five car. My behavior does not align with the core values that are shared by 2311 Racing and our partners who have played a crucial role in my incredible journey to the top of this great sport. Want to apologize to NASCAR and the fans, along with Christopher Bell, Joe Gibbs Racing, and Toyota for putting them in a situation in the playoffs that they do not deserve. I compete with immense passion, and with passion at times comes frustration. Upon reflecting, I should have represented our partners and core team values better than I did by letting my frustrations follow me outside of the car. You live and learn, and I intend to learn from this. So, I mean, Baba just come off winning the first stage. I think he was looking at a possibility of winning two races in a season for the first time since he was in the truck series. Uh, he got put in there. I mean, it, it was hard racing after restart, which we saw after that, um, you know, Josh Berry, which we'll get into in a while, um, had the similar thing with a teammate. Now the reaction and overreaction by Daryl, uh, brings pause with where we're at with this car, with um, the injuries, with the, the all the stuff that we got going on. I mean, there's there's a lot of things. I mean, we're gonna. I'm just gonna go and throw this out as a general story segment, and I'm gonna give Joe first. You can kind of connect. I know you can go and kind of connect all these pieces together. Here we got we got the 2311 deal with what happened yesterday. We have the 2311 deal with Kurt Busch, which I think, I mean, we'll talk about Kurt Busch separately, but Kurt Busch is now not going to compete full-time in the Cup Series anymore. Tyler Reddick's going to take his ride next year instead of 2024. We have what happened at the Charlotte Roval, which saw um, the 41 get penalized heavily for theoretic, for race, race, manipulation as i air quote here on our which will be on our youtube feed for this episode um because cole custer doesn't have you're going to tell me a guy that has seven top tens in his career and he has or or 12 top tens in his career and he's had five the last two years knows how to manipulate a race really come on now come on now eric jones is trying to run run chase briscoe over austin dillon ran him over along with kyle bush if I was Chase Briscoe. I wouldn't have cared about making plays. I'd have just sent Austin Dillon into the 
acid reflux turn or whatever shitty medication that was sponsoring that one chicane because it's a, it's it's SMI. I mean, to be fair, that'll give me a, an opening. SMI was promoting Rex to promote this Las Vegas race on their radio ads. Now they're promoting this wreck, which is blowing up NASCAR social media and utilizing this wreck to promote the March Las Vegas race. So if you want to know why NASCAR gets a bad name in a lot of ways for fans, we're three fans here in this spot. You can go and look at Eddie Goosage. You can look at Marcus Smith, Bruton Smith, and all the idiot sticks that are in big spots at SMI because they promote everything that stands for the LCD. Oh, and if you go to an SMI track, you can't have a freaking cooler and go into the track and have beverages. You have to go and pay $8 trillion to go and do that, especially at Vegas. They do that at Texas and Vegas. I don't remember it at, at Bristol because I didn't have any sleep and I was so tired and Bristol allows coolers. I, I was allowed a cooler. Uh, yeah, so, a years back. so Bristol, okay, fine. But other SMI tracks, they don't do that. I think Charlotte is fine. Yeah, I think, yeah Charlotte's good and Bristol's good. But they have a different rule at, at Texas and Las Vegas, which is just absolutely idiotic. Um, yeah, and, but um, will uh, in Nashville... Yeah, Nashville is yeah, not they, a they, SMI they, track. There was an outcry earlier this year at Nashville. They were telling them no coolers, bring like water, but no coolers on a hundred degree day. Nashville um, is a SMI track now. Yeah, I, know. I, I forgot. Yeah, it is now. Yeah. yeah, because they bought Dover, yeah. which I haven't. Which I guess we can talk about Dover, but later in a different time post post show. But um, I'm going to go and open the floor for you guys to go and kind of talk about what we have going on with this whole. Uh, Wallace versus Larson deal. So we'll do bullet points. Wallace versus Larson thoughts on the incident prior, prior or whatever, pre at and post. Then you got, we got some SHR stuff to go and talk about and other news stories. And in case for you, Joe, you can go and talk about what happened at the Roval and the officiating, which can, can connect to what we might see on Tuesday with the officiating of this particular incident. Gosh, you want to go first or should I go first? Who, yeah, who wants hot takes? I'll, I'll take the, you know, first one here and right. everything. And, you know, with, I guess, yeah, with this incident here, you know, Bubba Wallace hooking Kyle Larson in the right rear and, you know, going into the, you know, wall and everything. And, um, I mean, the first thing is, is, um, you know, he had a chance to back out of it, um, coming off of turn four and you know not uh take the pass there um that's you know first thing is to um take yourself out of the situation we saw um kevin harvick a veteran who was also you know in that area of the track with them and you know he backed out of it and uh continued on and then um larson was obviously trying trying to take the position and and bubba wallace uh was alongside of him but you know i think there comes a point where you know you're going to run out of racetrack and the trajectory of larson's car is um you know pointing towards less room for uh for you uh to get through the corner the same amount of speed to keep your position next to him um without touching the wall um so you know it's only lap 94 it's not lap 
you know, 240, you know, 20 laps to go or 250, um, whatever, um, or whatever, how many laps are in the race, 267. So it's not lap 260 with a restart with, um, you know, seven laps to go or anything like in the Xfinity series race yesterday or on Saturday with Josh Berry and AJ Allmendinger, that was clearly two guys fighting for the lead, um, with a handful of laps to go. Uh, this is not, this is only lap 94, um, and they're only running for sixth place. And so it was only the beginning of the stage two. So you have plenty of time to recover the position and everything. And, you know, you just, uh, decided to stay in it and everything. And, um, it's, uh, it's an issue because, um, you know, um, you know, you have an opportunity to continue on with, uh, your race winning car from Kansas, uh, which I think was also the race winning car from Kurt Busch's victory in Kansas as well, or at least, you know, um, the same, the same, uh, setup, I think mindset or whatever, but, and also I think that was their good car that they had at previous mile and a half races that we've seen this year from the 23 as all as well. And, um, you know, it's one thing you had to hit, hit the wall. Okay. Now, now you hit the wall. Now you have a decision to make to keep going and, um, uh, continue on with the race. Um, you know, maybe pay back Larson later when you have the opportunity, uh, but not take yourself out of the race. And, uh, you know, then you go and, um, you know, obviously he says the steering was broken, but I mean, I think it's pretty, pretty clear, you know, from the camera angles and, um, the data that they showed with the, uh, accelerator, uh, traces, uh, throttle pedal traces that, you know, he, you know, went and hooked, hooked the left and, you know, hooked him in the right rear and put Larson to the wall, uh, and then took himself out in the process and destroyed his race car. Uh, and, and, um, you know, it's a extremely short term thinking mentality there to, to, uh, you know, immediately lose it, uh, because, um, you know, you had a race winning car and, um, potentially there, and then, you know, you go to that situation and now, now you're out of the race and, um, everything. So that's the, the first part is just, um, you know, you have to be better at keeping yourself composed, uh, throughout, uh, you know, the race and knowing when to, um, use your aggression and, and, um, you know, knowing when not to, and, you know, it's better to use your aggression for, you know, uh, yourself rather than use it against somebody else. Um, you know, you can, you know, I mean, Larson's been known to be an aggressive guy as well. And, you know, he obviously was aggressive there, uh, trying to take a position away from Bubba. And we've also seen him, you know, use the side draft pretty well, uh, when it comes to the mile and a half and the two mile tracks. Um, and so he knows how to channel that aggression in, into, um, uh, being, you know, being able to make moves on the track. And, um, you know, on the other hand of it, you know, Bubba, um, you know, he's not only is he, was was that a, you know, really egregious move, but, you know, he's also acting, you know, immediately acting upon the emotions that he had. And, you know, we've seen Bubba be emotional in the past, you know, we've seen, um, you know, maybe not, not like this and never seen do this before, but, you know, we've seen him, um, you know, get angry on, or heard him get angry on the radio. Um, and I mean, he has rights to be angry, but you know, there's different ways to channel that anger and, uh, everything. And, um, you know, we've seen him, you know, get emotional after finishing second at Michigan, um, you know, and other, other places. And, um, you know, not saying that, you know, it's wrong to be emotional, but, you know, there are time and places where it's appropriate and where it isn't appropriate uh, to do it. And certainly, you know, hooking a guy on the right rear, uh, the racetrack was not the place to, to be doing that. And so that's, you know, that's just an area I think you know, I've noticed from Bubba Wallace in general, just, you know, letting the emotions, you know, get to you in the car and putting yourself under maybe too much pressure, which maybe leads to the emotions um, taking over. Um, so, 
you know, um, you gotta gotta be able to main maintain your composure and 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 everything through those uh, through those situations. Um, so there's that, and then then obviously he got out of the car and you know started shoving Larson, which um, you know I thought that was kind of odd to see because he was already the guy that took out Larson. If anything, Larson should be the one you know shoving uh, Wallace because he was the one that got taken out like that. Um, in, in my opinion. Um, you know, the aggressor continuing to be the aggressor and everything. So that, that was interesting. And then you know, people make a lot of sense or, you know, they're, they're going to talk about, you know, he shoved the official and walked across the hot racetrack and everything and didn't follow the protocols and uh, all that stuff. So I'm sure that NASCAR is going to take that into account with, if they decide to punish uh, Bo Wallace, which I, I think they will. And then the post-race interview, you know, just, um, um, you don't have to admit, like, you know, he didn't have, he doesn't need to admit that he did it, which he didn't, but, you know, he just, uh, continued to channel the anger there. And, um, you know, it was just really odd, uh, to see that and, um, you know, kind of really disappointing behavior to see, uh, um, and everything. And, you know, on the other hand, uh, I mean, Kyle Larson, of course, um, you know, didn't, you know, didn't respond other than to, you know, extend his arm out. Uh, to keep Wallace from going any further, uh, didn't retaliate any other way, and you know managed to keep himself composed in the post-race interview. Uh, so at least you know he's able to keep himself there, composed and you know calm. So there's a lesson to be taken away from that uh, and everything. And then then you add in the fact that you took out your corporate teammate in Christopher Bell, not not you know on purpose, but you know he's a bystander taking out in it. Um, and not the first time, by the way, we've seen a driver get taken out um, as a you know innocent bystander. I mean, go back to the very first chase race in 2004, and Tony Stewart and Jeremy Mayfield both got taken out by Robbie Warden taking it out on Greg Biffle uh, there, uh, which I remembered last night and had to watch that highlight to confirm. But you know, going back to this, and then you know Kurt Busch, who you know retired. This I mean, basically, he's announcing that he's retiring from full time competition. Um, you know, this weekend, and obviously it's a pretty significant moment in the Cup Series, and, you know, what's been the hot topic lately is concussions, and, you know, you spin out, you know, wreck Kyle Larson and uh, take him out, and if, you know, people point out if Bell wasn't there, that, you know, he could have hit the wall in the impact where um, it's been the um, most, you know, dangerous place for a driver to hit the wall in the, um, you know, left or right rear of the car uh so that was you know the other part of it and you know Bubba himself i mean hit in the uh front of the car and you know you know both of them you know and christopher bell could possibly have suffered um i mean i'm not gonna say he suffered concussion but you know you you open yourself to the chance of suffering a concussion suffering a, a head injury uh in those impacts so um you know, there's there's that, and then just adding the fact that Kurt Busch, who you replaced, or you know, technically by, uh, you know, the the playoff spot and all that for the owners' championship, uh, announcing his retirement, and then you know you go and do the thing that you know we've been talking about with wrecking people and causing an un unnecessary situation. So, um, you know, at the end of the day, you know, you just have to um, maintain your composure uh, through that situation. Um, so that's you know that's my take take away from that and um you know i think there's a lot a lot that he's got to work on in that area um certainly it's going to be a focus uh hopefully in the off season uh as you know they you know get better for 
2023. And, um, yeah, I think, uh, we'll see what NASCAR does. And you know, I think, um, probably the president for this penalty is probably, if it happens, it has to be probably on, on the level, you know, obviously maybe adjusting for proportions cause it's the cup series. Um, so maybe you see a bigger point fine and money fine, but similar to the Noah Gregson situation. Um, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if they did suspend him for a race. Um, but I feel like, you know, given, I mean, there is a, uh, excel spreadsheet or something where they listed all the incidents of similar nature and i think only maybe about three or four of those they actually suspend the the driver and you know i think the only times i can remember is um uh, kyle bush versus ron hornaday in two, you know 2011 and then uh you know uh um matt kenseth versus joey logano back in 2015 at martinsville there's yeah. only two situations there and by the way i mean if um, you want to see a post-race interview where driver, you know, was flat through the entire interview and he was the aggressor. It's Matt Kenseth. I mean, that was probably the flattest, uh, interview, um, for somebody who took somebody out and ever. So there's your example. Um, but you know, uh, uh, just, just a lot to take away from, and, you know, I mean, just the, the racing, keeping on the racing topic here, um, you know, that, that's, uh, kind of what I took away from all of that is just, you know, you just got to be able to maintain yourself in the race car throughout the race. And, um, especially, you know, on a, on the straightaway, which, you know, everyone says is a big no, no. And, you know, and especially on a track where, you know, you're approaching speeds at, at top end at, you know, 180, 190 miles an hour. So, um, you know, just, uh, uh, completely lack of situational awareness there, in my opinion. Yeah, it's something that, you know, the more that I've seen it and the more I've read, I mean, somebody that I look up to and uh, I know Joe and Josh, both of you have read over the years, Jerry Bonkowski, uh, somebody who's given me advice in my journalism career, uh, basically went scorched earth on uh, Baba earlier today and it's on multi his he's a freelancer so it goes across multiple platforms now um it he's been in the sport for decades and he's seen bubba come from knn to here and he went scorched earth on him and i'm like i was gonna my initial thought was that's a bit aggressive brother i mean you're an old white man you really can't really be doing that you're a freelancer, but then the more I thought about it, the more I kept on seeing it, and then the more I'm thinking about it, and I'm saying, and I'm prefacing this as a Bubba Walls fan since his KN days. I also see what he brought up, and it's not a good look, and you can kind of read into that in his um, statement uh, on social media, and Josh. You did a great job kind of going through all of that. And Joe, I know you're going to do a great job in that as well here in a moment. Um, it's it's for somebody who is in a spot where you're going to, I mean, now, I mean, he was he's a lead driver of a race team. And theoretically, I mean, at Roush, he really wasn't at KBM who really cared, but, you know, he was a he wasn't a lead dog in that sense. You're a lead dog at twenty three eleven right now. Kurt Busch is gone. I mean, in 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 about four weeks time, that that's going to shift because Tyler Reddick is a dog, and that one is going to be their lead dog. Um, 
they're going to put all their momentum to him because they know that he's going to be the one that's going to bring them the hardware. But you got to handle yourself better. Um, I mean, I say that also. I'm wearing a Tony Stewart shirt. Tony has had bad moments. But you can also go all the way back to Dale Earnhardt right-rearing the Daryl Waltrip at Richmond in 1986, which personally is where I believe Daryl Waltrip's career ended. And Dale Earnhardt became the intimidator for real because he went and right-reared a guy, basically got away with it, and even though his car got de- he got destroyed, but he still won the championship. He won he won like nine or ten races. I don't know how many races. Um, Dale Senior won that year, but he won his second championship that year. Daryl was not the same guy after that, and uh, he ended up leaving to go to Hendrick Motorsports uh, after that too. So you know you talk about Jeff Gordon right rearing. Uh, Clint Boyer um, at Phoenix, um, Boyer running through the old pit road when the when the front stretch was the front stretch instead of the stupidity they have now. And he ran from, I don't know, somewhere in the middle back of the pit road, ran into the garage area. And credit to those guys that work for ESPN. Those cameramen were chasing him, and he was ready to go and get right into Jeff Gordon's kitchen and give him a mustache the way he had in 92, but um, they won't allow that. The point is the precedent has been set by the greatest of all time, uh, two of the greatest ever. Um, Roy Rage did it twice to uh, Brad Keselowski. There's a great list. Uh, I I should uh, reference it here before I give it to you, Joe. I know you have plenty of takes here. Uh, I got a laptop charger anyway, so you go right in. Yeah, so... Though there was plenty of uh, great posts, yeah. Uh, um, the um, five p.m. Uh, oh, yeah. The Yankees got postponed till tomorrow, so that's pretty bad. Um, but um, yeah, and Hinch Hinch is going to be on the Formula One broadcast too, which would be good. So I'll zero out the fact that Miss Hummer is on. Um, uh, so. Uh- a decent, a decent IndyCar guy on the F1 broadcast. That, that should help. And that, that also understands motorsports and isn't it about him. He gets he gets the game. Well, not um, only that, but he's a former Andretti driver as well, so yeah. he can make a case for Andretti. Yeah, we'll but, see if they allow him to get that narrative out um, there, but. Um, yeah, but there's an opossum in the engine bay. Oh yeah, that's right. Dale Jr. posted about a possum being in the engine bay of one of the cars that came back from uh Vegas. So um so that's something. Um I was trying to find the list. Uh what I was trying to do before I get to you, Joe's there was a list that um I forget which website had earlier in the day um talking about the the history over I've got it on Reddit here. I'll pull it up and yeah. send it over in a second. Yeah. So I appreciate that. Jeff. Where they are showing all the instances of retaliation, right rearing people, uh, which everything is, since 2002, which is go. like Kevin Harvick. Well, Kevin Harvick ran over whatever Coy Gibbs, um, in the, yeah. 
it was Harvick and Coy Gibbs, and he got parked, and and Herminator drove the twenty nine car, and then it took eight years before Roid Rage became Edwards. Oh, that's good. Um, went and got probation at Atlanta when it was obvious, and then he went and did the same thing at Gateway and. Bob Keselowski, legendary, legendarily said he ain't, he ain't gonna, gonna go and do that. Boy. Kill my boy, and rest in peace, Bob Keselowski. You're a legend. Um, and personally, Roy Rage would have not been able to handle Bob Keselowski because he would have went low on him. And um, Carl Edwards is built like John Cena. Probably wouldn't have been able to handle that. I think he would have went low took out his knees, and then he'd want Ric Flair and um, beat him with weapons and then put him in a figure four leg lock and made him made him cry like a little bitch, which Carl Edwards was anyway. Um, with that transition, Joe, I know you're a professional. Uh, you can go and um, give us your thoughts on what happened yesterday between Darrell Wallace Jr. and Kyle Larson. You can also connect that to um, the level which you were there in person for and saw a lot of nonsense that happened there. And we talked about that on uh, social media. So I guess one thing SMI does have is good service. Um, they don't really take care of the fans, but they do have good service. Um, and um, some of the other things that we're going to lead into in terms of silly season and what uh, the sport may look like here in the next few months. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I guess I'll just preface all my comments with this is that I'm frustrated. As someone who covers the sport and loves this sport so very, very much, it's ingrained in me, as I'm sure it's ingrained in many of your listeners, as I know it's ingrained in you, Phil, and you, Josh. Um, it, the last two races have been just absolute frustration for me, for the most part. Uh, the Roval, I mean, just in the grand context, right, of the race day experience of being there. I, I went as a fan. I did not go as a professional. I did my stage points, but I went as a fan, um, and I went with my dad, and it was fun, and it was just time for us to hang out. But the reality of it is, is that the fan experience has really taken a dive downward in the last handful of years. Um, and I don't even mean, oh, we have less trailers, you know, the less driver haulers, you know, out in the midway selling stuff. I don't, I don't care about that. You want to, you know, all these teams have to save money somehow. If that's how they choose to do it, to sell multiple drivers stuff out of the same hauler, go for it. I don't care. But I really want to shout out to Brad Keselowski because he really saved the fan weekend at the Charlotte Roval. Uh, he had a Twitter exchange with Marcus Smith, uh, you know, who, who oversees uh, SMI properties. And the, the Twitter exchange, uh, Brad had tweeted something out originally. Uh, a fan had tweeted him about, uh, you know, why don't we see the, the individual driver trailers anymore? I really want to go get some driver-specific stuff that's a little more obscure, something to that effect. Brad replied, well, part of it has to do with the parking price. It's too expensive to go park multiple haulers for multiple days over at the racetracks. Marcus Smith chimed in and through Brad Noffer, you show up at your hauler for an auto session and we'll give you a free park. And uh, Brad then looped in a bunch of other drivers. And I got to say, props to Brad, props to Marcus Smith. I don't often give props to Marcus Smith, but props to Marcus Smith for cutting that deal 
and props for every single driver who made an appearance. There were a ton of them. Uh, and I, I know this is not all of them, but just bear with me. Brad Keselowski, Chris Buescher, Hall of Famer Jeff Gordon was out there. Kyle Larson made an appearance, and he doesn't do a whole lot of appearances anymore. Um, Byron spent some time out there. Josh Berry, Justin Allgaier, Riley Herbst, Chase Briscoe was out there. Uh, I know there were other drivers, I believe. Uh, Blaney had an appearance. Sindrick had an appearance. Harrison Burton was out there in the midway. I saw him. I don't know if he had a formal appearance lined up, but he was out there. Uh, I mean, there were a lot of drivers who jumped on this opportunity and whether the incentive was, okay, you got free parking for your merchandise or you, you know, you got the time with the fans, whatever the incentive was as a fan, having those driver meet and greets, that's a huge deal to be able to go out and meet different drivers. I actually did have the opportunity to get a word with Brad. I, I joked around with him, asked him if he got his free parking. But it was funny to me because Brad didn't actually seem to know that that many drivers jumped on the opportunity. Um, and, and, you know, I, I thanked him. That was uh, really smart of him to do to, to get the other drivers in on it. But that that really, I'll tell you, saved for me. Uh, that saved the fan experience that weekend because... I mean, the, the Xfinity race was good racing. I thought that was good racing. There was a lot of passing. The cup, there was not. Um, I really don't even know. I think the only two passes for the lead under green were when, I want to say it was Reddick, maybe. He was leading stage two, pitted, and Chastain inherited the lead and went on and won the stage. And then in stage three, when Reddick and the 16 of Allmendinger, when they pitted and Chase Elliott jumped them both on pit road. So there was no actual passing really on the track until all the late race chaos, which look every now and then you're going to have a race where there just isn't a lot of passing. It's a sign for NASCAR. Hey, we need to work on a certain program. We need to work on a certain function of the car that relates to, you know, whatever the passability of it. Um, for next year, which to my knowledge, they are already working on. So hopefully we're in kind of the last of these races uh, at the short tracks and at the road courses where it seems like it's such a struggle to pass where it wasn't in previous years. So, you know, that's discouraging, but I can kind of get over that because I know there's a solution that NASCAR is working on with the drivers. What I can't get over is that there's a cardboard sign on the side of the track for at least 20 laps, and all of a sudden it ends up in the groove and you're so quick to throw a caution? Come on. It, first off, it wasn't even in the racing groove, all right? They were racing single file for the most part. Any driver that would have hit that, the sign would have basically just disintegrated. Nobody was going to get hurt. The sign can't hurt you. It just doesn't happen. Um, but we had multiple incidents happen up to that point. I mean, Daniel Suarez, Corey LaJoy, and my friend filled me in because I told him this and he said that's exactly what Junior said on the broadcast was that incident between the two of them, the first one where they both spun or where the seven spun in the infield, that probably should have been a caution. But why are we waiting for a cardboard sign? I mean, look, these signs they have at every race. I get it. You want to sell the, the, the space for the sponsors, but why should that then affect the racing, the product itself that as a race fan, you pay to go see. That, to me, was really embarrassing. That we're going to throw a caution for a cardboard sign. And granted, because it was in the racing group, I, I didn't feel like I was necessarily opposed to the fact that there was going to be a caution. But it was frustrating because that sign had been on the track in some fashion for many laps. Or just off the track for many, many laps. And I know Denny Hamlin even said that that sign was out there. Um... 
the fact that we even have signs like boggles my mind. Like I know these are temporary walls, but come on, you can't do anything better than a cardboard sign. I, I mean, you know, for, and then for that to affect the, the race, the product itself. And I mean, let's say that sign stays off the racing surface or never comes off, right? Race is totally different. Chase Elliott probably goes on, wins his sixth race, has five extra points to carry into this round, which he's probably going to hope for or wish he had after that poor showing at Las Vegas this weekend. Bell is out. Larson's in, right? And on top of that, Briscoe is also probably out, uh, and Sindrick probably is in. That, la- that caution, because of that cardboard sign, totally shifted what became of that race. And to me, that's my problem. That, that was my problem with the race. Not even the passing problem. That was my problem. It's just bad officiating. Why? Why? I mean, I, I, I really don't like, you know, coming out like this and sounding so, what to me sounds so savage. Uh, it's tearing a NASCAR. I hate that. But at the same time, why is that a caution? Why? I mean, nobody, it's not going to do anything. It's not, nobody's going to run over it and blow a tire. Nobody, it's not going to catch in somebody's grill and end up being the end of their day because they blow an engine. It, it's, it, 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 it was not needed to me. They, they needed to run the end of the race green and, and, and they made it worse. They made the race worse, the product of the racing worse. But it gave them something to talk about throughout the week because there was a lot happening the last few laps. Uh, everybody ran over each other. Yeah, and that's another thing. And this is something that NASCAR can't really do. The drivers need to fix amongst themselves. Everybody needs to stop running over everybody in those last few laps. It happened at Indy. I think it was Logano took somebody five wide going in that first corner. Drivers need to start accepting that these cars, just because you can do that, does not make it something that you should do. I get it, you're out for every point, but at the same time, why why are we so willing to just, ah, let's wreck everybody? It's a bad look for the sport. And I know Blaney has been extremely vocal after these races about, uh, you know, there's a real lack of respect, blah, blah, blah. And I never really believed in that lack of respect up until maybe this year. And it, it's annoying to me. But, you know, that's not really something NASCAR can do. That That's, again, that comes down to the drivers need to fix what they're doing. You know, uh, Bell goes on, puts a show on, and, and wins the race. Uh, and, and really, I, I think he should be in the round of eight anyway. Um, he probably, should, given how good his cars were um, at Texas and Talladega, Probably, I mean, it was unfortunate he was in a must-win, but, um, you know, seeing as how far back he was and how just it's part of how the playoffs go, it, like, the fact he won, I mean, it was good in some sense because it's like I feel like a driver who should be in the final eight is in the final eight, but at the same time, just the fashion of which all of the events happened, um, really regarding a cardboard sign, man, I mean, it, it, it left such a bad taste in my mouth. Um, I'll move on to one last thing. Regarding the Roval, before I, I kind of dip into this weekend, the Custer incident was so, it was so blatantly obvious to me. Uh, so I was in the Ford Tower, I'm in I'm almost the highest seats. So you can see everything when you're in the Ford Tower. They're fantastic seats, and I would totally recommend that you go and you look at them. It was so blatantly obvious, I saw it coming from half a lap away. I had the scanner on, I knew exactly where everybody was positioned in points. So first off, Briscoe did not need those two points. Um, he was tied. He was going to win the tiebreaker anyway because of previous finishes. And that's why I tweet out the previous finishes and the points and everything to give everybody the same situational awareness that the teams 
have or should have. Um, there was no reason for Custer to do that. There was no reason for Mike Shiplett to get on the radio and say, hey, you've got a flat tire. They did not need to do any of the theatrics. They were theatrics. None of it needed to happen. So to me, the penalty is fine. I don't care. I think it was deserved, if anything. Um, now, race manipulation. That's the thing. And the well, the penalty, too. That's a thing, right? We saw last year an incident with Chase Elliott and Kevin Harvick. And Chase Elliott didn't run 100%. And we saw in 2020, trying to advance to the Final Four, Denny Hamlin and Eric Jones. And Eric Jones was ordered not to run 100%, and he didn't. Why were they not penalized? Why is Custer getting penalized and they're not getting penalized? It's inconsistent. And I think that's really at the core of what bothers me is the inconsistency in the officiating, both on the track during the race and off the track after the race. It does not make sense. Um, quite honestly, even though, yes, I believe that Custer deserved some form of penalty, I also believe Denny Hamlin and Eric Jones deserved some form of penalty. I believe that Kevin Harvick and Chase Elliott, even though they were already advanced into the next round when, the, uh, when that happened anyway, they, were, they should have not been immune to penalty or no penalty. Um, all three incidences warranted a penalty in my eyes, quite honestly, but you only issued one. And why? Why? I mean, come on. And no, none of the incidences had a driver that were running 100%. You can't cite the 100% rule as your means of penalizing him. It's not right. You know, there are other factors, sure, that play in every situation. And, and maybe that's part of it, right? When when the Elliott Harvick situation and the Larson right advance or winning that race, all three of those cars had advanced. None of them were getting knocked out of the playoffs. Um, but even with that, right, you still have the Denny Hamlin situation and this situation. And both times we had someone who was very close to the cutoff moving on, right? Why did one situation warrant a penalty and the other didn't? Is this just NASCAR crying, trying to crack down really? Because they can, like, I, I don't understand. And to me, I appreciate that they had, I believe it was, uh, I never remember his name. I, I want to say it was Jonathan Miller. Um, on Scott Sirius. Miller. Scott Miller, yes. They had Scott Miller on Sirius, and I appreciate that Scott does this where he'll go on Sirius and he'll make the comments and he'll give the fans a, a better understanding of where NASCAR's head is at when they make these decisions. To me, that doesn't always make it make sense, though, right? And, and I felt like this was one of those situations. So overall, I think the product itself and everything that came out of the Roval, as both a fan and someone who covers the sport and, and wants to cover at a more professional level, and, and who cares about the sport just in general, whether you care about it casually, whether you care about it because you love it and it's ingrained in you like us. It's frustrating to see this type of stuff happen, but it, that's just it. That's part of it. Moving on to Las Vegas. Um... Man, I'm so disappointed in Bubba. I, I really, I'm quite honestly, I'm shocked and appalled at what he did on track. Now, I'll say this. I don't care about the retaliation part. I think retaliating, though, comes in many forms, right? Let's go back to that Chase Elliott Harvick situation we were just talking about, right? Chase Elliott was retaliating on Kevin Harvick by slowing him down. He said, you took a win from me. I'm going to take a win from you, right? To me... In that sense, it felt even, but at the same time, right, and, and forget everything I just said about penalties, penalty, we're evaluating in a different level here. Um, you know, nobody crashed. That's the thing, right? Nobody got injured. Nobody got hurt. Nobody got correct, right? Everybody finished the race wherever they were running. Um, you know, Larson, yes, he got aggressive. 
he dove it into the corner and he slid up the track. Guess what? It happens, right? And and you know what? For for what it's worth, they didn't make contact. And, and but Larson, I think what Bubba said to some degree was right because Larson has driven really aggressively this year. He's pulled that move on plenty yeah, I mean, of drivers this Chase year. Chase Elliott has a lot to say about that too. Yeah, Chase Elliott, I'm sure, has to say about it twice. Once at the Glen, once at uh, Fontana. Um, you know, Larson used his quarter panel in the clash to end the 31 cars day of Justin Haley, you know, and, and just yeah, that, that general, you know, where Larson tries to dirt track it, really roll the bottom and then slide up. I mean, he does that. It happens in this particular case. It seemed like he might have just lost the handle of the car just a little bit and got up and sort of into Bubba. I, it looked like they made a little bit of contact. Phil said they didn't. So I'm not sure if maybe, maybe I got to go back and watch it again. Um, cause I know it was close. It, it, it was one of those questionable, uh, you know, if, or if they didn't make contact, but the fact of the matter is right. What Bubba did in to retaliate was way out of hand. Okay. Yes. He hit the wall hard. He probably broke a toe link when that happened. Um, and he was definitely not going to have a winning car after he hit the wall, right? I, the, the people comparing uh, Josh Berry's incident the day before where he just kind of rubbed it and kept it straight. First off, the Xfinity cars are more durable. The components of the yeah, car, they're, the, the body. They're more durable. Yeah, yeah exactly. It, it, it just, you know, it, it holds up better. And Josh didn't hit the wall nearly as hard as Bubba did. Bubba, it, it was a pretty good lick. Um, definitely broke something in the car, for sure. I don't know that he broke the steering, but I, I could definitely see how components of the car would have been broke from that and it would have eliminated him from winning contention. But your day's not over, right? You've still got a way you can go about your race. That got totally tossed out the window in like five and a half seconds, not even. Uh, turned, to me, it seemed like he just turned straight down the track, right? Uh, hooks Larson in the right rear, catches Bell in the process, and, and I almost don't know what, been, what would have been worse in that case. Obviously, as a playoff guy with Bell and then two non-playoff guys, you don't want to see a playoff team have a wound because two other people not in the playoffs got into it. I mean, that's like, that's the worst insult to injury for Bell in this case is like, I have a corporate teammate who's not in the playoffs. I have a guy who got eliminated from the playoffs last week when I won. And these two get into it and I'm the one who gets the worst consequence of it all. Come on, man. Um, and he should be mad. Bell should be mad. I thought he handled it really well, but he should be mad because he had a car that I thought was capable of winning. Um, and that's it. You're right. Day's done. Oh, well, too bad. Just because two other people got into it. I mean, that's how racing goes sometimes, but still it's frustrating. And, uh, you know, for, for bell, when you're competing for a championship and quite honestly, I'd say if he goes to Phoenix, he's got a pretty darn good chance of it. Um, that's like, I would be so frustrated if I were bell. I probably just cause I, I feel like I wouldn't be able to keep myself in check as well as bell did. I probably would have went to, to talk to Bubba and say, Hey man, what happened? Right. Why am I done? Why am I in the garage? Um, as far as the, you know, remove bell from the situation though, Larson, I mean, see, it's so hard because, you know, I, I know Larson kind of admitted he, you know, his faults in it. And, you know, he said, yeah, I ran in hard. Yeah. I went up the track and yes, I put Bubba in a bad situation. The fact that he acknowledged it, though, to me, made it like a little bit better on his end. Like he knew what he was doing was probably a little too aggressive at that. Yeah, point. He was being right. really generous there in the interview. Yeah. And, and, and I, I don't know if he had time to talk to PR before that, but, um, you know, he, it seemed like he knew exactly what he needed to say in that moment for him, for him, for his sake. Um, man, Bubba, I, I 
You know, I, I know, Josh, you had mentioned this, you know, I, yeah, we've seen an emotional Bubba in the past. Um, I, I, I don't know. I've ever seen it to this level. I don't ever recall a time I've ever seen it to this level. And I think that's really what shocked me was not the fact that the retaliation happened, but that it just happened so fast and that he actually, I mean, the, the fashion he did it at high speed, right? I mean, save it for Martinsville, save it for a track where, you know, the impacts are, you know, going to be at slower speeds and hopefully not as risky for the driver. I mean, he put his own health as well as Larson's in jeopardy. Uh, and, and normally, I, I, it's weird because I don't feel like Gen 6, I wouldn't have said that, but we know we have an inherent safety issue in this car, in the Gen 7 car, with uh, Bowman being out and uh, Bubba in the 45, which his teammate drove, and his teammate's now effectively retiring because of this concussion he's got. You know, that was really irresponsible. To me, that was the biggest problem I had from it. Not the fact he retaliated. If he wanted to save the retaliation or do it in a different way, right? I mean, think about how Hamlin retaliated against Chastain at Gateway, right? You just get in front of him every time he tries to pass you and you slow him down. I think that was more than warranted if he was upset. I think that's acceptable. Um, But to dump him on a fast track in a car that we know has inherent safety issues... um, I I mean, it's just, that was really stupid on many, many levels. It was really poorly thought out. And and, and I get it. I used to race. I'm a competitor too. I hate when somebody does something to me and, you know, I'll, I'll show them the bird or whatever, but, um, you know, I, it's just, it's not a good look. I I mean, it's never really a good look. I mean, look at Noah Gregson. He got some heat after that incident at Road America and Hosevar still taking heat from, uh, when, when he intentionally dumped, I don't remember who it was, but, um, you know, it, it, yeah, yeah. But, um, you know, I, I mean, I, I feel a little for Bubba because, you know, him being in the limelight and obviously the unique nature of some, not all of the NASCAR fan base, um, he's obviously going to have to take it a lot harder than many other drivers would. I do believe that, um, Unfortunately for him, the more logical arguments are warranted. Not every argument's warranted because I've seen some people really use this as an excuse to say some really disgusting things. Um, and, and that's not okay. It's never okay, whether it's against Bubba, whether it's against anyone who ever drives a race car or anybody you see on the street. It's never okay. So, everybody, stay respectful out there. Don't use this as an excuse. But um, some of the heat he's taking is warranted. Now, I know there was a lot of outcry and, hey, we want a suspension or whatever. Uh, I'm going to be honest. I'd rather not see a suspension on Bubba. Yes, what he did was stupid. It was irresponsible. Uh, there was a, an inherent safety risk in what he did. And all of that combined, should there be a suspension? Yeah, probably. Um, if I were in NASCAR shoes, I'd probably suspend him. But I also would have probably suspended Noah Gregson and Carson Hosovar. I know the rule books are different and different actions and different series or the same actions rather in different series justify different penalties through the rule books. Um, and I think that that might be something a lot of people don't realize, at least a lot of people I've talked to don't realize that outside of just the make of the cars and the mechanics, the three series actually do have different rule books. Um, you know, I, I just, I, I would rather for the sake of NASCAR staying consistent him get uh, a points and monetary penalty um, rather than parking him. And then next season, though, I think over the off season, they, NASCAR has got to come out with an iron fist and say, 
if, if your retaliation or if your intentional incident, because it, it was intentional, no matter what Bubba's going to say, um, if an intent, if an incident deemed intentional meets X, Y, and Z qualifications, we're going to send you home for the next three weeks, right? They need to come out and basically say, this is the end. This is the last time somebody gets away with it. We're going to stay consistent with this year's penalties. Next year, you do something stupid, you're going to get stupid, right? So, I, I mean, it's a real shame, too, because I thought the race wasn't that bad. Um, the racing itself was pretty good. I like that they can get so side-by-side side with these cars sometimes. It did feel a little bit more like a Gen 6 race. to get a little strung out. But the fact of the matter is the racing itself was relatively decent. I, I thought it was good and enjoyable race, but for that one moment to overshadow so much of it, um, mm-hmm. that, that really sucked. And uh, also, Las Vegas Motor Speedway. You provide really good racing, but take that tweet down, please. Don't don't use that to yeah, they, promote the March race. They did, and then they also they did delete that tweet, but then they also oh, purchased out a uh, full page uh, print advertisement in the uh, uh, Las Vegas Review Journal or whatever. So, yeah. although uh, I will say that um, nobody buys a newspaper these days, but you know, still buying a full page ad in a paper is probably not a good look. Uh, you know, like that and. Um, yeah, just not a. You shouldn't capitalize on that situation like that. And and I mean, I don't even think Larson wants to re- retaliate against Bubba. I mean, he has a. I probably you know has the opportunity to if he wanted to, but I don't even. I don't even think Larson wants uh, any any more involvement than than what he's already been involved in in, in this. And that implies that Larson's going to come back after him, which um, uh, I don't think he will. Yeah, it's. I mean, the notion of of the way SMI goes and capitalizes on LCD crap is insane. Um, you know, bad wrecks. They use whatever Michael McDowell almost eating it back in two thousand seven as a highlight. They use well, not only that, but I mean, you know, Joe remembers it too. The stepmom sign. Uh, and I mean, they promoted the billboard with the Texas Motor Speedway, and they put Stepmom on uh, Junior Reason Number Eighty Eight or whatever with Dale Junior back in two thousand eight, promoting yeah, promoting that. that. And then I remember um, uh, Bristol promoting because Jeff and Junior got into it uh, at Michigan in twenty twelve, and then the first thing they did, like the Wednesday before the race, is they put out a tweet or a, a print thing like this and we're promoting jeff versus junior when it was you know completely out of proportion you know yeah. so there's a history because you there. know because you know hendrick motorsports they're going to get into fights since you know all of they're all none of them have can think for themselves anyway i mean jeffy i i'm surprised jeffy eats without asking fat felon what he has to eat because well it kind of makes sense because he's getting fat now so i mean he's not a felon yet but um uh, he is the owner of Hendrick Motorsports, but SMI proves once again why NASCAR is going down a, a, a spiral where, I mean, IndyCar can't even draw a point three in ratings, but honest to God, they have a way better racing product with a lot less bullshit and they have compelling people there. Roger Penske... I mean, I guess he needs to call his son Jay to go and promote the sport because he doesn't know how to promote the sport. And um, the way that NASCAR promotes their sport, it's more like WWE. It's more like WCW. And um, 
I mean, I, if they suspend Bubba, they're going to go and lead to one base being happy about it. Uh, they don't. That base is going to be mad, but they're going to be mad no matter what. They're going to be there crying about anything Bubba does. Bubba breathes. They're going to be mad about it. The notion is he knows that he went over the line. In the heat of the moment, after, I mean, he that interview, I'll say one thing. Marty Snyder is one of the best that exists because fundamentally that could have went off the rails to be fair. The way that interview was, that could have went off the rails with a Fox sports person. It could have definitely done, or somebody was on Fox news because they're really the, they don't know anything about anything. But if there were a Fox, if that was a Regan Smith interview, that wouldn't have went that way for multiple. I mean, it's Regan Smith, but it, it wouldn't have went that way. Uh, credit to Marty Snyder. He's one of the best there is. And he proved that yesterday in that interview with Daryl. Um, I, I initially was like, yeah, you know, Larson used him up. He hooked, he ran him over. He went and went after him. Uh, I didn't know that not initially. My initial thought was I didn't know he right reared him. Then I saw the right rear. He's trying to sell a narrative that he went and right, right reared him because he had a broken suspension. I mean, come on, man, dude, you got to have a better, you got to have a better alibi than that. You need, you need, whether it's Freddie or you need, or booty, one of them had to go and say, oh shit, oh, something happened. Oh, you know, there was radio silence and I am, I'm, I'm looking forward to DBC this week for multiple reasons because Freddie is one of his best friends. So, you know, that. The other other inbred in in that group, the one that blocks everybody, is going to have his takes since both of his guys did well. Um, but the notion that Freddie is so close to Bubba, what he says is going to speak a lot to what we're going to be working with here, and also what's going to be on the DJD um, after he after Junebug spoke to Eric Jones. Junebug's already had his, they posted a 40-minute uh, clip, and they've already released their thoughts on it, so we'll have to listen to that afterwards. 40-minute clip? How long no, is this uh, show? Two and a half hours? Yeah, the, their show's, yeah, I mean, their show's as long as this show, but they, they yeah. went and did a 40-minute excerpt, not clip, sorry, ex- excerpt of their thing, the Dirty Air segment on there, so uh have to listen to that one that after this on recording. DJD, you mean? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, okay. so it's it's basically an excerpt of what they already recorded. They went ahead and got it out. A special that's on, and that's on YouTube. No, no, that's on. I mean, on Spotify. That's on the Spotify, and then the, yeah. okay. All right. Well, you can find the Gripster podcast on Spotify too. Um, yeah, and and other podcasts that um, we're connected with, like uh, like Grid Talk and all that. So. Um, I'm going to transition into try it's sort of a somber note before we get into Xfinity and all that because we've been going at this for a while. Um, Kurt Busch, I mean, uh, it's it's sad that I have to transition. I have to go and do a segue off of what Bubba did, but um, Kurt Busch is announced his full time racing retirement. A guy who. I remember his cup debut 
um, at Dover in 2000, September. Uh, Jeff Hammond, that was one of the last races that Jeff Hammond crew chiefed in his career uh, when they had the 97 John Deere car. Um, Kurt Busch caused the wreck that Jeff Bodine almost ate it. It was part of that wreck that, that Jeff Bodine almost ate it at Daytona in that truck series race when they had un, unrestricted that, 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 the, that race and those sounds of those engines and all that. That was one of the best races I've ever seen. That in 2001, those truck races initially. The truck races we've had since then have been pretty terrible, but having unrestricted race vehicles at a, at Daytona, was outstanding and they sounded awesome they sounded loud it kind of reminds me of what the new cadillac um lmdh sounds like it sounds like an old winston cup car from back in the day but um kurt bush is uh done uh as a full-time racing driver uh tyler reddick will be uh the driver of the 45 car next year uh, instead of in 2024, which I think most everybody thought was going to happen. Um, I mean, Kurt Busch is to consider where, what Kurt Busch came from, uh, being that brash young gun who was like very wet behind the ear, wet behind the ears, Similac on his breath, like you know, Stephen A. would say, and to go and be so young, win a championship early in his career. One of them inbred sheriffs in Arizona tried to cancel him, which, I mean, when you consider Arizona is one of the most backward states in this country, it makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, and he got to Penske. Penske spent a lot of time there. One the greatest went and MF Doctor Punch and flipped a middle finger to the Secret Service that was there for the First Lady and the uh, um, Vice President, whatever, second, first and second lady of the United States uh, in a race that Tony Stewart won, which I'll always be happy about. But um, Kurt was one of the worst nights of Kurt Busch's life. Um, what I'm trying to lead to is for where he was, you know, what does the Kurt say is on YouTube from 2012 to be where we're at in 2022, where not having Kurt Busch on the racetrack is a huge loss because we're starting to lose people that connect to Winston Cup. There's a rumor that Fryer put out there where Kevin Harvick is quitting after next year, which I find to be, I don't think is got as much validity because why the hell is Kevin Harvick going to quit? He's still at a high level. Um, Tony is his boy. Delane is going to convince him to quit. Like what? Why would you quit? His son was doing a go-kart Nash uh, international go-kart deal at Lamont. Why wouldn't you be? Why wouldn't you want to stay around so you can go and race against your son? That's what. That's one of the things that Kyle Busch is doing. Um, but for Kurt Busch, he has done a lot in the sport. He's one of the last. He's the last guy that's done the double. 
uh, Indy and uh, Charlotte. He is somebody who has remade himself over the years, went through the whole, um, I forget what, what the saga was with um, the ex-girlfriend where she was brandishing weapons. and. Oh yeah, she's a trained assassin. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I forget what the hell the nickname was. Oh, it was funny. With uh, oh, I remember that too. The um, shoot, what was it? Because it was on that one Facebook group. We Kurt, uh, what, crap. nickname or no Kurt? No, Kurt's the, girlfriend or girlfriend's uh, nicknames. Uh, pocket assassin. Yeah, oh, no, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the pocket assassin. <laughs> it was it was something like that. I, yeah, I think sure that's what it was. That's what it was. Yeah, she had she had a great rack, but she was she wasn't great looking. Patricia, she she was pocket assassin, and she showed up in the whole like the the tan jacket, and she had the whole, and she showed up to his his motorhome at Dover and tried to go and cause a scene. He's came from pocket assassin or whatever the hell it was to be a guy that a lot of people. There are so many people that are bummed that um he is leaving and i'm one of them because you know in in terms of daryl wallace jr and his progression the start of this year was not good for 2311 um there was a lot of rough spots for the 23 car but the 45 car kind of covered it because kurt was kurt billy scott he has a great relationship with him you add the fact that he just understands the sport he kept things. There was a lot of controversy. 23 is not doing good, whatever. But he kept things low. He won that Kansas race with the Jordan brand car, which is going to end up being a very um, highly sold piece. To have a Jordan brand car win a race, I bought the diecast version of it, not the regular version, the diecast 164 version of it. Because... I know that's going to be Kurt Busch's last win. Um, that's huge. I mean, you consider, I think, what is it? His last, he won Las Vegas. His last three wins, I mean, his last few wins of his career have been great. Kansas here earlier this year, which will end up being his last win. Las Vegas, the back door is way into the round of eight. And then before that, he beats his brother in 2020 uh, at Kentucky. And the not, whole team. Not to mention, too, uh, Atlanta last year. That win to get into the playoffs where Chastain gave, uh, I think it was also Kyle Busch, uh, a hard time. It let Kurt close in and, and get in. You're right about that. That is true. That was that was, that was was last year, right? Yeah, it was yeah. last year. Yeah, that was the, yeah, the Kyle, yeah, Kyle fried out because um, Ross went and gave him a hard time and Kurt won that race. I was happy about that, too. He didn't have that as much fortune when he was driving the 41 car because Gene made that car for him. Uh, outside of giving Tony Gibson his um, his boyhood dream of winning the Daytona 500. And first race for Stuart Haas racing with Ford. First race that Tony Stewart was retired as a driver and was strictly an owner. He couldn't win the Daytona 500. He won the Daytona 500 as an owner. So, totally fulfilling the Mike Landretti deal there. Um, but Josh, Kurt Busch, um, likely done full time as a driver for sure. Uh, but your thoughts, I mean, he's been around for 
more than two decades. For me, I remember him in the Southwest Tour. He was the guy that took over for Chris Trickle in the uh, 70 uh, uh, Spears Southwest Tour car after his untimely death. Um, I, I forget the, the Star Nursery car number 70. And he ran a couple of years there before Jack Roush picked him out of the um, gong show and put him in the X-Side 99 car or 99 truck against with Greg Biffle um, in the truck series where the two of them dominated the series that year. Uh, And that started a huge time for Roush Racing and for Kurt Busch coming from the Vegas bullring to being uh, one of their best ever in the cup series. Yeah. I mean, you know, best, one of the best ever in the cup series and, you know, a lot of talent because, you know, you mentioned the, uh, 2012 years with, uh, you know, when he was after Penske and, um, that was a tough year for him professionally. And, um, that was a really bad car, but you know, he made the most of it. And I mean, I think obviously that year, uh, the, one that the moment that stands out from 2012 when he was in the 51 was uh, that race at Sonoma where basically dragged that car all the way to second place and uh, had a chance to take the win away from Clint Boyer at the end. But I think he, uh, you know, ran into the tire barrier uh, in turn 11 in the hairpin and you know, messed up the suspension there, but still managed to finish in uh, second and take home, you know, that, you know, that race and not the win, but second place and, uh, you know, really bad, really bad race car. So, you know, he did a um, phenomenal job doing that and, uh, you know, showed just how much talented he was in a, in a race car. And, um, you know, then he goes and takes the 78 car, which, you know, hadn't, hadn't really shown anything, uh, you know, up until, uh, he got in that car. I mean, you had Regan Smith the year before winning at Darlington, but, um, not no real consistent results and he took that car and that team and carried them uh to their first ever uh playoff appearance or chase appearance you know when it was known like that back then um and showed what he could do there and then uh leveraged that into you know his ride at uh, the 41 car and Stuart Haas racing and then um you know carried on his career after that um and kind of you know remade himself um you know into that uh driver uh, you know, who can get the most out of the race car and, uh, you know, knows how to, you know, be a veteran and, you know, be a leader and all that stuff. And, you know, took that to him, you know, that role from Stuart Haas to, uh, Chip Ganassi racing and, uh, you know, was the veteran guy over there. And then, um, thought he was going to retire after 21. You know, he had that video monster energy put out at the beginning of 21 with, uh, Kowski was in that, I think the monster girls were in that. And, um, there was a lot of, it, it kind of left everything up into the air, what his plans would be after 2021. But, uh, you know, he, uh, you know, he was able to make that video and people thought it was like, Oh, when's, you know, when's he going to retire or whatever, but then came back for this year, uh, with, uh, you know, 2311, um, you know, one in the Jordan brand car, um, you know, had had a lot going for him until that incident at in qualifying, which Joe you saw at Pocono, um, and you know it's pretty much all she wrote after that. And now here we are with this retirement announcement. But um, you know, I should also mention the fact that um, you know he did a 
you know, incredible job in the 2014 Indy 500, you know, won the rookie of the year honors that year, finished sixth, um, you know, ran, didn't run pretty well up until, you know, the last like 25%. Um, you know, I remember him kind of struggling with the handling that day, but managed to take it home in sixth, uh, and was up there at, at the end of that race. So, um, you know, it just shows the amount of talent that he has in race car. Um, you know, he didn't get in, you know, after, uh, his, uh, I think 2005 or, or 2004 year after the championship, you know, he kind of went to being a, you know, one win a year guy or two year, two wins a year guy, never won more, I think than two races in a year, but always was always consistent, you know, not as, not as talent as, as, as his brother is in, in a car. I think, I, you know, think, um, you know, he's always attributed to, the, to that quote, uh, you know, if you think I'm good, wait until you see my brother and, you know, obviously we know how talented his brother is, Kyle Busch, but, you know, Kurt, you know, he's a savvy veteran, um, you know, really intelligent, you know, uh, if you read his biography, um, you know, he talks about how, uh, he was actually going to go to the university of Arizona and study pharmacy, uh, if he wasn't going to be a race car driver and, you know, somebody, obviously you have to be really smart to go into that field, uh, and, um, you know, he's, you know, very, very savvy, at, you know, as a driver, as a veteran knows how to get the most out of you know, his race cars. And that's what he'd done, you know, throughout his entire career. And so, um, you know, hate, hate that a driver in general isn't able to, uh, you know, finish their career on their own terms. Um, obviously Joe, we're lucky that, you know, with Dale Jr., you know, being able to, uh, you know, end his career on his own terms, uh, going out in one final year. And, you know, I was hoping, you know, that Kurt, you know, would be back in the car at some point, uh, next year, um, to be able to finish it out. And maybe he will, maybe he'll get to, uh, the 100% point that he needs to, uh, be able to, um, you know, be able to run, uh, you know, in a cup car, but, um, you know, I was hoping that maybe he could come back full time for, you know, one final year and finish it out. Uh, so unfortunately he's not gonna be able to do that at least 2023. You know, he says he's not retiring, but I think, you know, we all kind of know that, you know, once you step out of the car and cup full time, uh, especially at his age, you know, it's hard to come back, uh, full time after that. Um, so we'll see what he does in the next phase of his career. Obviously going to go to Fox for some point. Uh, the season next year to do commentary with them. He's already doing it in the truck series and uh, does uh, a whole lot on that end. Um, so, you know, it's a, um incredible career that he's had and, you know, we'll see what he's able to do after that. Um, and, you know, he also mentioned doing, uh, well, yeah, Le Mans. So we'll see if he does Le Mans or something like that, like you said earlier. And, um, yeah, it's one of the last connections we have to the Winston Cup. I mean, obviously, he's the last driver to race against Dale Earnhardt, uh, you know, racing with him in the uh, 2001 Daytona 500, and the famous moment or infamous moment where Earnhardt gave him the bird uh, on the front stretch tri-oval um, there. So, you know, that's uh, your first ever... I, I don't know what Phil's doing on camera, but he's um you know first first ever bird like that. I'm blocking you know. the bird. I'm not yeah. trying to flip the oh. bird on my own show. Okay, for our own show, but uh, Dale Senior didn't yeah. care as much because Kurt Busch was not doing what he wanted him to do. Yeah, yeah, and then you know you have that. I mean, my first memory, I guess, of Kurt Busch as a as a driver is um at least significant. You know memories you know when he got wrecked at indianapolis at the brickyard 400 in 2002 and um jimmy spencer spun him out and you know in turn three pointed at you know 
you know, at his ass. I think he, yeah, I, I never understood what that meant. It's like, oh no, that's supposed to be go to the rear. And yeah, Jimmy Spencer wrecked him there. Um, and that rivalry, you know, he got punched in the face by, by Jimmy. Uh, and next or, week at Bristol. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. In 2003. And then, you know, all that stuff, um, 2004 championship where the wheel fell off and still managed to win. Uh, so, you know, there's a lot of highlights and we don't have to go through everything, but, um, you know, Kurt Busch, you know, what a, what a career, you know, a lot of, a lot of, uh, you know, roller coasters, but you know, in the end he became a guy that I think a lot of people in the, um, you know, industry, uh, truly respected. Yeah. He's a guy that from what he became, what he started as, as a brash unfiltered, you know, MF or guy from Vegas, you know, bumblefuck kind of guy, but he, he paved the way and he went through all the shit that if Kyle had to go through that, I'm pretty sure Kyle, knowing the whole lineage and all that, I'm pretty sure he wasn't going to handle it as well. Um, Kurt took some hits for his little brother, knowing that his little brother was really effing good. And um, in this case, I mean, now they're not connected anymore. They had a small connection this year. Um, being Toyota drivers for one year now that Kyle is back to Chevy for the first time since 2007. Um, they're going to lose that connection. But um, Joe, Kurt Busch, I think, I mean, I'll I'll give this to you. I think he's the first ballot Hall of Famer in the NASCAR Hall of Fame um, for what he's done across all three series, but especially in the cup series, uh, he's won two of the majors. Yeah. He's won two of the majors. Uh, if you count the bristle night race as a, a major, he's won three of the majors. Um, I, I mean, honestly, he has made the teams that he's driven for better. Uh, character wise, his character has improved over his career. And there are a lot of guys that are going to say that Kurt's influence on them has made them better people or better drivers, at least. I'm not so sure about better people, but better drivers. And Kurt has become a better person. And I would have never thought about that personally since I was a fan uh, going back a while. And I wasn't a fan of Kurt Busch. And I've become a fan of Kurt Busch. And it, and it's crazy to me, but honestly, there are certain things that connect to that, but Kurt gets it. Kurt understands the sport, and we need to keep people like him in the sport because the way NASCAR is going right now, they need people like him. And it's a shame that he's not in a car anymore, but Denny wants him around. He's in the perfect spot to keep his influence in the sport. For sure. Yeah, Kurt, I, I, I mean, I, I could go off and continue to list things he's done. I think Josh and, and Phil, you guys pretty much hit the, the big things that we're all going to remember Kurt for. I mean, he is he's a wheelman, right? And, and I think, you know, a lot of times we talk about certain drivers being wheelman and not. Um, and I feel like Kurt's not really one of those drivers that we talk about, but he drives just about any car, right, across from the generation, starting the Gen 4s, the Gen uh, the COT, the Gen 6, uh, Gen 7, has won in all of them, right? Um, has won with 
almost every team. I know with Phoenix and with Furniture Row, I don't believe he captured any wins. But um, other than that, I pretty much every every almost year outside of those years was winning in some capacity. And um, and actually, even in the Phoenix years, he was winning in the Xfinity Series races. So I mean, th- there's so much to say about Kurt Busch. First ballot Hall of Famer, yes, absolutely. Um, you know, he especially for the fact that he was right there there's a lot of sports figures where they their careers get ruined because of things that happen to them outside of the sport not just inside of the sport right kurt had a lot of opportunities to really go south for and for his career to get totally out right out of the picture and it always seemed like he kept racing and he kept himself in check even in his worst moments um, even in some of those moments where he said some really questionable things to people, right? Um, you know, it, it, it's really so fascinating. And I wanted to go on Twitter and kind of tell this story, but, um, I never got around to it yesterday, but Kurt was the first NASCAR driver I ever met. I went to elementary school. It was back in 2008. I was going to elementary school and there's a Sam's club right across from my elementary school. And he was doing a sponsor appearance there. Now, um, you know, me, in New Jersey, little eight-year-old or seven-year-old Joe, however old I was back then, you know, I had I have my my very generic NASCAR racing hat because even though I was a Dale Jr. fan, my parents would not let me wear any Budweiser uh, gear, so I had my very generic NASCAR hat. Um, and you know, I collected all the cars, and you know, I, I convinced my parents very much for like three or four days to hey, let me go see Kurt, right? Um, and so, you know, they, they pick me, they take me out of school. They made sure they brought me my, my NASCAR history book. Uh, I had my hat. I had uh, a 164 Kurt Busch, the Kurt car, because they couldn't stick Miller Lite on the car for kids. Oh, it's 2006. Okay. Or somewhere yeah. around there. Uh, and uh, actually, I think it's an, an 07. I have it in a display case in my room. I'm looking right at it. I think it's an 07 Dodge Avenger uh, with oh, the, the CLT. Yeah, oh, okay. Car, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, and I must've brought like three or four other things. I brought a lot for him to sign. I had a lot of high expectations. I feel so bad for him now in hindsight. And I remember when I got to him, he took, he spent so much time with me. I was probably talking to him for like a good six minutes, holding up the people behind me in line who were waiting so patiently. And I was telling him I was so excited for the season and that he was doing such a great job. And I was really looking forward to Dover the next week. And I remember he, he made a comment because he was so impressed that I knew the schedule, like this eight year old, like this kid's out of his mind. Um, but that is such a special moment in my life. There are very few like special, like really, truly to the core, special NASCAR moments that I have in my life. That's easily one of them uh you know the first driver you ever meet it's always going to be that but for kurt to just be so real so genuine and so like that person that he was in that moment to me is the type of person i have seen him as in the last few years and especially this year um you know i i think it's really it's upsetting to me quite honestly i don't have quite the same emotion that I had when, you know, Dale, Josh, you, you mentioned it, you know, when Dale mentioned he was retiring and, you know, you knew he got to do it on his own terms, but you also knew it, it kind of had something to do with his, his safety, his long-term safety. Um, and, and I feel like this is very much the same. And, 
you know, unfortunately, Kurt's not getting to do it on its own terms, which kind of makes it even worse in that sense. But um, I, he's the type of person who's going to stay around, whether that's, you know, he's going to stay around and be on the Fox Sports broadcasts for the truck series like he's been doing from time to time, whether that's he's going to be in an administrative role over at 2311. Hell, maybe he's going to find something we don't even think of right now, right? He's the type of person I could see actually going uh, into these RTA negotiations and really stepping up for the drivers, uh, very similar to how, you know, Jeff Burton, the mayor of the garage, I could see him being the the next mayor. Um you know, he, he's a guy who still has so much that he can do in his racing career, and he doesn't have to be on the racetrack. Um, and that's a really unique position for drivers or, or I guess, former driver. I, I don't know. I still feel like in my eyes, he'll, he'll still be a driver. Right. Um, but it's a really unique position for him to be in. And I'm really excited to see what he can do uh, with that in this next chapter of his career in motorsports. But um, it, it's just so unfortunate. And, you know, it's like a little almost surreal to me. Um, you know, I, I remember I, I'd walked into the grandstands at Pocono earlier this year. I had no intention of going and seeing the qualifying laps that day. Um, and I don't remember what possessed me to say, oh, let's go in the stands and watch the qualifying. Um, but, you know, we had only been settled. I think we only watched one or two drivers before Kurt made his lap. And it looked like any other crash I've ever seen, pretty much. Um, he reared it. Kind of came around, hit the front end a little bit. Car stopped, dropped the window net, waved hello to the fans, right? I'm okay. Um, you know, I, I, and it shows, right? Because I'm about to say, right? I never would have anticipated that that was going to be a hit that impacted him and his career so heavily. But I think that goes to show how, how much we take for granted in the safety of cars. And whether that's, you know, every day on the road when you commute to work, right? Or whether that's in racing, right? I mean, uh, we, we've we seen a lot of really nasty wrecks in the past few years. And I think we have gotten very lucky that no one's gotten seriously injured, uh, maybe other than, you know, junior and up until this year, right? I mean, we've got Kurt, Cody wears on crutches, Bowman's out with a concussion. It's really upsetting. And this is 100% a sign to NASCAR that it's got to change. I know they're working on that rear clip. Um, I believe it was Phelps who made mention of it. Uh, John Probst, uh, one of the competition guys over there. I know they're working on it, but um, th- this this is unacceptable for, for this to be happening. Um, you know, I, I, ultimately injury is an inherent risk of sport, no matter what sport it is, no matter uh, what car you're driving, it, it's always a risk. But um, it's really unfortunate. It's really sad to me that this is how it, it closes for him as, at least as a full-time driver, I could see him getting back in the car in some capacity. Um, I don't know that it'll be cup. I don't know that it'll be even NASCAR, but, um, it, it's a little upsetting to me, I guess he, he's kind of, you know, for, for me and Josh, I guess I know Phil, you, your guys are, you know, a little bit nineties and, uh, early two thousands and, and he's early 2000s guy, but, you know, yeah, for me, when I came to the sport around 04, 05, I want to say, is really when I kind of caught on with things. You know, Kurt was there, and he was a contender. Next Cell Cup time. Yep, Next Cell yeah. Cup. And, you know, I, I feel like Kurt is very much one of the last drivers that, like, when I started watching, they were there. Um, and I think, you know, if, if Harvick goes in 23, if that's truly what happens... I mean, he's going to go at some point. He's got a kid who's going to be racing. So, um, you know, that and that'll kind of be it for those guys that I started with. So 
Um, you know, it, it, I was surprised at the emotion I had. Uh, and, you know, to see Kurt get that emotional, I feel like it's been a long time since we've seen that emotion out of him um, where he gets choked up when he's talking. It, it's... um. It, it's sad and it's really touching and um, I really hope he continues to stick around the racetrack. Yeah, I completely agree, Joe. And um, great thoughts from both you and Josh. Um, Kurt is a guy that can race anything. Uh, he has done it. He's done the double. He's driven a pro stock car, um, which we'll talk about in the next episode, the way we're going in this episode. But um he has driven a lot of things, and he is a, a wheelman, like you said, Joe. He is a, but he's also become a better person over this time. He's went through a lot of crap to get here, and I'm pretty sure um, Brexton is going to benefit a lot from Uncle Kurt being a part of his life. Uh, I think that whoever Kurt's significant other is at the moment, and if they do anything, whatever. I mean, he had a great relationship with the ex's kid, and that was a huge thing, but that went away. Um, I, I honestly hope he gets in the booth, um, in the cup booth for, for next year in Fox, because they need that balance. And him and Clint could balance each other out because he's more technical and Clint's more out there. It would be like Towns and Bell, who's more technical, and Hinch, who understands everything, but he understands show business, and he'll go and play it up. It it kind of would help because Fox needs help on their broadcasts. Um, personally, I would kind of hope he can go and extend that out to Xfinity and truck broadcasts because Fox Fox's broadcasts suck in general. Um, also hope to see him in a sports car and whatever car he wants to drive. Um, he's ran the Rolex 24 before in the Grand Am days with uh, his Roush Keybait. I also, I mean, now in, in this day and age, running a GTD Pro car with Lexus, would be a little more difficult. Um, I wish he could kind of go and try out that Toyota hypercar at Daytona, but there's a lot of logistics that would have to happen for for him to get there. But either way, um, credit to Kurt Busch for his career. I uh, saw it from the Southwest Tour days, having the unenviable task to take the car over from Chris Trickle after his untimely death. Uh, and did what he did to win the Southwest Tour title, go and have Jack Roush pick him out of the gong show and uh, drive in the truck series to where he is now. Uh, Big quarter ride for Kurt Busch, and um, I'm hoping that he will stay at the racetrack and continue to be a part of NASCAR and um, Big Three Series. Um, and help out not only Daryl, but also Tyler Reddick, who will be taking his spot. Last thing we're going to go over here um, before we end tonight's show is the Xfinity Series race at uh, at Las Vegas, the ALSCO Uniforms 302. 
he sees Josh Berry get the victory, leads twice for 65 laps. Noah Gregson won the second stage, uh, led the most laps in the race. Uh, Ty Gibbs won the first stage. Uh, Gregson led the or won the second stage. In terms of playoff drivers, eight of the top nine were playoff drivers. Uh, finished 22nd, but, you know, he's still in the mix. Um, he had a loose wheels on both. Both right side uh, wheels were loose. The results, Josh Berry, Noah Gregson, Justin Allgaier, Ty Gibbs, Trevor Bain, Top five, Austin Hill, Sam Mayer, Daniel Emmerich, out of the playoffs, Brandon Jones, and Anthony Alfredo, your top 10. Nick Sanchez finishes 12th, the ARCA Series champion. Um, Haley Deegan, Miss Hummer 2.0, gets a 13th place finish after starting 20th. Brassus Greenlight Racing um, at Vegas, Weatherman Clemens, top 15, uh, John Check uh, 16th. Rylips gets no stage points. Oh, yeah, he mentioned Albanier. Um, Riley Herbst, 18th. Myatt Snyder, 19th. Rajah Karuth, uh, who's got an article going out there in the media, uh, finishes 20th for Alpha Prime. So, Josh, uh, speaking of another Josh, Josh Barry going and locking himself in going to a track that he will probably be a little more suited to with his late model prowess. Um, getting a win on another cookie-cutter track. Talking about clutching up. Josh Berry clutched up at um, Las Vegas to get two wins in a row there. Yeah, he uh, definitely you know came in the clutch right there and... Um you know, it was an incredible piece of driving, really, to take the lead. And, uh, you know, on when he took the lead a uh, handful of laps to go in that race and um, got to the outside uh, of A.J. Allmendinger, uh and, you know, A.J. kind of slid up into the wall, similar to what we saw on Sunday with Bubba and Kyle. And, um, you know, he, uh, Josh Berry was able to, you know, keep his foot in it, hit the wall, kept on going. And I think he actually even took the lead uh, on that same lap that he, uh, coming off of that turn four where he slapped the wall there and kept right on going and um you know took the race home there and um you know still managed to uh you know come home and um uh take the win uh doing it make making all the joshes look good i guess uh and you know taking his uh, spot in the championship four which is you know from where he was even a year ago you know trying to prove himself in the xfinity series prove that he can be a a full-time guy to now, you know, uh, on the edge of a potential, uh, you know, Xfinity championship, um, possibly even a cup ride, uh, um, you know, potentially in the future, uh, you know, if I'm, I'm not sure about next year, but, you know, certainly, uh, gives him credibility to, you know, join the cup series, uh, in the near future as well. Uh, so, you know, big, big victory there. Um, Gregson, you know, had an opportunity to win as well, but then I, you know, I think um, you want to talk about, you know, Joe mentioned the controversial cautions at the Roval with the signs and everything. I mean, I think you know this race, uh, I think there's you know a bit of an issue controversy with uh, Brandon Jones. Uh, Brandon Jones, you know, spun out at a half spin in the middle of turn one and two towards the end of this race uh, in the last you know thirty laps or so, uh, but 
didn't didn't fully spin out and you know barely any tire smoke but you know they threw a caution for that and at the same time you had trevor bain uh at the very beginning of this race had a similar type of uh spin and they didn't throw the caution out for that so yeah there's a lot of inconsistency there and probably wasn't necessary to throw out that caution uh like that um and reset the field and everything uh you know it costs uh Noah Greg, I mean, yeah, I, I think. Well, I think Noah Gregson was in the lead when, uh, towards the, uh, you know, that that part of um, the race when that happened. But then, you know, on the other end of it, you know, Almendinger uh, was up there as well and had an opportunity. But you know, Josh Berry was, took it away from him. Uh, so you know, that was just a lot of you know unnecessary drama. But certainly, um, you know, NASCAR, you know, they they know when to you know do these things and obviously they felt like they needed to reset the field there and um you know fortunately no more other cautions after that but just the fact that that happened you know um there's an issue always an issue with uh, the way that they officiate and handle uh you know incidents on the track uh but on the other hand of it you know josh berry has an opportunity now to go and win uh at uh phoenix here in you know two and a half weeks uh, so we'll see, you know, we'll see what, what they're able to do, uh, here coming up at, uh, at Phoenix and, you know, throughout the rest of the round of, you know, round of eight, you know, they still have two opportunities to, um, just, you know, put in reps, uh, you know, so we'll see what happens, but good effort there, uh, by Barry, you know, the rest of the junior road sports field, Noah Gregson, uh, Justin Algar take the top, you know, second and third. So, uh, good weekend there. Um, Trevor Bain, you know, despite the, uh, half spin there at the beginning, impressive run, uh, in his, uh, rate, you know, his races that he's run so far in the 18 car, um, you know, Anthony Alfredo ran good 10th place, uh, Landon Castle was up front on that final restart, but, you know, clearly I think it was a strategy call there trying to, trying to get some points or, you know, something out of that and didn't exactly work out there, uh, so, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens, uh, with his future in that ride. And then also, you know, another highlight, uh, you know, Haley Diggin finished 13th in her first start, uh, in the Xfinity series on the lead lap. So, um, you know, ran, ran pretty well for, you know, for that ride and, um, you know, for, um, the quality of depth, I think in that field as well. Uh, so, uh, you know, I have to, you know, got to give her credit, you know, where it's due and, you know, um, able to start or you know finish better than where she started in so uh good there um you know you know Almendinger ended up having that loose wheel as well so uh which actually two loose wheels uh and that that could come back to haunt him later uh in this round uh you know because now now he's on the uh the outside looking in uh going into this playoffs so you know we'll see you know if he can win at Homestead or pull out the victory at Martinsville or something like that but um you know overall um you know, good racing in Xfinity Series this weekend, of course. And, you know, we'll see what Josh Berry can do here in Phoenix in a couple of weeks. Yeah, I think Phoenix is going to work out for well, work out well for Josh Berry based on his driving style, based on his history. Um, getting, we got through the results there. Um, getting into the point with two races to go. Uh, Gregson's up 44, Gibbs 20. Um, and, uh, all guys just behind him. 
uh, Austin Hill, AJ Albanier, Brandon Jones, Sam Mayer. Uh, interesting. The waiver wire that will be next week, even though I'm going to get completely demolished here. Um, it is what it is. So, right, dismiss. Right, to dismiss. I'm going to go and get into um, But, I mean, Josh Berry gained that victory. Huge victory for him. Huge victory for Mike Baumgartner, who's going to go and take over um, being the president of operations, essentially the shop foreman for junior motorsport. Getting that victory, they want to go and get one before they more than likely both end up elsewhere. Um, Mike Baumgartner is going to run the organization as a as like a shop foreman, but Josh Berry's probably going to end up leaving, and that's something that we're going to end up having to look at during this um, playoff process. You know, Berry wins over Noah Gregson, Justin Allgaier, Ty Gims, Trevor Bain, uh, top nine role, top seven role playoff eligible, and eight of the top nine were playoff eligible. AJ Almedino was the one that missed during the season. People have missed people and whatnot. But either way, Credit to, credit to, um, I forget. Um, sorry there. All right. Um, so trying to go and figure out the, um, yeah, the Xfinity series there, uh, the points going into Homestead, uh, this weekend, Josh Berry advanced, Noah Gregson plus 44, um, Ty Gibbs is plus 25. Justin Allgaier's plus 15 over H. Elmendinger and point more over, yeah, for H. Elmendinger. Um, 12 points out of Brandon Jones and 21 points out of Sam Mayer. So it's still a wide open battle on the Xfinity side. Um, I want to go through, oh, we need to go through here, pick channel general. Um, there's an outline there. But I didn't see it. But let us let us get into the picks here for this next week. One of the reasons why I end up doing all right. Um, when went over all that in regards to the U.S. Grand Prix, out end up purchasing for a weekend. It was only purchased for the day, but um, pay whatever bag um yeah so let's get into homestead here um i'm gonna go and let you go first josh in regards to what your picks are uh truck series is back and we can bring up the picks channel um truck series is back this week it's their i think last race before the final um for the uh truck series the um yeah the this is the cutoff race for the truck series the baptist health 250 at homestead miami raceway uh 37 for 36 um they say 37 or 36 but nobody's missing show so i guess it's 38 um let's get your picks for the truck series race here on either friday or saturday uh, you have 37 trucks, yeah, but right now there's one with a TBA. 
So we will see what happens with that. Josh, what are you thinking for the truck series, the Baptist Alt 200? And um, just to go and make the most out of this show, what are you looking at for the Xfinity at Vegas uh, here? All right. Yeah, man, Homestead, yeah. Uh, well, I mean, starting off with the, the truck series, um, you know, I think uh, the truck series race this weekend, I mean, I'm looking at, you know, one of the KBM trucks as well. Uh, I mean, I'm expecting uh, John Hunter, Nemechek, and Chandler Smith both to run up up, up front. Uh, yeah, I think um probably going to see uh, Zane Smith as well run up uh, up there. They've had both good cars Uh you know, throughout the season on the mile and a half. Would not be surprised if we see Carson Hosevar up there as well. Um, you know, even though he's no longer competing for the championship, he's still done a whole lot of, uh, you know, good uh, and, you know, still ran up front a whole bunch throughout the year on the mile and a half. So, you know, he's been maybe not quite a threat to win, but he's certainly been, um, you know, somebody that could be a, a threat to win. So uh, there's that to consider. Uh yeah, I'm I'm gonna go pick with uh, John Hernandez this weekend uh, to win. You know, I feel like this uh, type of track that you should succeed on. You know, this is, um, you know, he's had a lot of experience of this track, so, um, you know, I'll go with him this weekend. Uh, you know, I think uh, he's, you know, has has a chance to have some momentum to try to reclaim his championship that he lost last year. Should have won. Um, so you know, we'll see we'll see what he's able. Uh, to do this weekend at Homestead, um, probably a wild card. You know, um, Ryan Priest is entered once again in this race in the Truck Series, and um, you know he has a chance. You know, in, in this uh, DGR team, uh, I mean they've been successful in the past, and you know, he's a really good race car driver. So I'll pick him as well. Uh, somebody that uh, could potentially be you know a, a threat to win uh, this weekend here uh, at Homestead. All right, so I'm button on that. Um, so we had Joe had a was going to talk. Had, yeah, I know. Uh, John Hunter, John Hunter to win. Priest as the wild card. Um, Joe, you have the floor for your picks here for the Truck Series, the closeout race that will determine the final four at Homestead. Just to be fair, we should go through. The uh, point standings going into this race. Ty Majeski's already in after his win at the first race in this playoff. Chandler Smith is plus 30. Zane Smith plus 18. Ben Rhodes is plus 3. Friesen Eckes are minus 3. John Arnimacek minus 5. Grand Finger needs a miracle. Can Grand Finger actually get a miracle again? After he did it at Indianapolis Raceway Park, getting to the final four, or what are you looking at for the uh, race here at Homestead on Saturday afternoon? So, like Josh, I am going to go ahead and solidify my pick with a Kyle Busch Motorsports driver. However, I'm going to take John Hunter's teammate. I'm going to say number 18 of Chandler Smith is going to go out and rack up another win this season. Uh, You know, it, it seems like they've been pretty good. All around, I mean, he's wanted some different tracks this year, and um, yeah, it, it's been hard for me to stay in touch with the truck series uh, this season, unfortunately, just because of other things I've been doing, other arrangements. But um, it, it to me, 
Chandler Smith has probably been uh, the at 18. They've probably been one of the best teams in recent weeks. Um, so I'm, I'm looking for them to have some success here as my wild card. I'm going to go with Carson Hosevar. I know there was a time where we weren't really saying that he was a wild card pick so much. He had a pretty decent, uh, run over the summer, uh, the early summer where it was looking like he was going to get his first win. And I, I think Miami, you know, very similar to how they were running Charlotte real high up on the wall. Um, that may come into, well, it will come into play at Miami for sure. Um, I think we might see some of that. We might see some of, uh, you know, similar conditions where we were seeing some tire wear, we were seeing some momentum runs up against the wall that we saw at Charlotte this year. I think we're going to see it for sure at Miami. So uh, that may play into the 42 team's favor. So I think uh, he'll be my wild card pick this week. I'll just, you know, keep you talking until Phil comes back. But um, yeah, I mean, this this should be an interesting race, um, you know, uh Feel like feel like it's been a long time since we've seen Truck Series race uh, at at Homestead, but you know it's always. I feel like you know as as a uh, Homestead is a you know I feel like it's a you know fun racetrack in general to watch. Um, trucks should be interesting. Um, I you know I feel like you know you probably can send it in there a lot deeper than the Xfinity cars and do the you know cups cup cars to an extent. And we've seen some you know pretty thrilling races over the years, you know with the Truck Series. Uh, at at homestead but you know it's um should be an interesting one especially you know with a lot of playoff stuff uh on the line here uh you know as they you know close it down for you know going towards the end of the year for the you know round of eight for the truck series as well yeah you can go and put them picks in uh chandler smith to win at homestead for joe um carson osavar as the wild card pick as the LA Chargers take a victory in overtime. Yeah. And somehow for, the worst fantasy team I, I've ever had came out with the win. So <laughs> hey, you got a dub. It's one and one. Take your take your dub. It's it's a it's a dumpster fire. You go and you can have a ton of points. You can have a ton of points and lose in my league. You can shit the bed still win that's fall brawl in 2022 but for me i'm gonna go and take zane smith it's been a while for him uh he is essentially ford's top prospect at this point um front row motorsports has had a lot of momentum i mean blake harris i mean not just because he gets to go and procreate with um caitlin vincey um, he is very talented and, uh, Martin Truex misses him for sure. He can tell that his absence has made a difference in his, um, productivity. Michael McDowell's having a career year. He is going over to the Alex Bowman 48 car next year. So credit to Blake Harris on that, but connecting it all the way back to front row motorsports. Zane Smith's my pick for Saturday afternoon in the truck series race at Homestead. My wild card, my wild card selection. I'm trying to go through here. I can't pick John Hunter as a wild card. Oh, we picked John Hunter anyway. So I was like, or what is it? Picks. Yeah. John Hunter. Yeah. Per John Hunter, Priest Smith. Okay. So. This is a tough one. 
tough wild card pick. I have I have the whole field here. I mean, I guess no, I'm not going to go there. I, I I was about to go somewhere where I didn't think I was going to go. Um, I'm going to go and pick. I mean, it's kind of a reach to say it's a wild card, but I'm going to go and say Corey Heim uh, because he's not a regular, but he is in the 51 truck. He's probably, and he's going to be a full-time driver next year for David Gillen Racing in the truck series uh, as a Toyota driver, as the Toyota factory effort. So, uh, what is it? Uh, Zane Smith to win and advance to the Final Four, um, and um, Corey Heim to, as a wild card, Corey Heim, trying to win the the owner's championship in trucks. Uh, getting into the Xfinity series race on Saturday afternoon or Saturday evening, the contender boats 300, 41 for 38. Um, Josh, you can go first here in regards to your picks for this race, and I'll post them. Accordingly, uh, nobody has been announced for the 47. Uh, the Julia Landauer is going to be driving the 44 for Alpha Prime. Um, credit to her getting another opportunity. Uh, Chandler Smith's going to be driving for Sam Hunt Racing, so he's going to be doing a double duty on Saturday afternoon. Uh, Brennan Poole's driving for JD Motorsports in the six car. That's random. And uh, Matt Mills driving for BJ McLeod in the five. Uh, what are your picks there? I mean, what is it called? Uh, Trevor Baines driving the 18. Yeah, it's a weird field here for this race on Saturday, but you'd figure the usual suspects will show up. Yeah, I mean, I'll... I'll uh... You know, I'm going to stay with Junior Motorsports this week, and you know, I'm going to pick uh, Noah Gregson to win and go in the Final Four. Uh, you know, this weekend at Homestead, you know, he had an opportunity to go and uh, win last year uh, at Homestead. Um, of course, we all know how that ended for him last year, but you know, uh, yeah, I think uh, he's been really good in the mile and a half tracks this year. Um, you know, he does really well at Homestead. You know, Junior was talking about on the broadcast how uh, he was trying to run the top uh, as kind of a preparation for Homestead, uh, running the top at Las Vegas. Uh, so, you know, I, I think he knows he's got an opportunity here to win uh, and go in, you know, going to the uh, Final Four at Phoenix. So, um, I think I think he'll um, run up front and you know lead a bunch of laps and try to win the race. Uh, and uh, you know, I think for wild card. Um, I mean, there's a lot of guys to pick for a wild card here, but you know what? I'm going to go with, uh, Anthony Alfredo here as a wild card, uh, did a good job finishing 11th at Las Vegas. And, um, you know, he's a underrated guy and go back to the beginning of the year, uh, at Fontana track, similar entire where, uh, to, uh, Homestead. And, you know, he had a chance, you know, if they come into opportunity where they have a bunch of late race cautions, you know, they had the right strategy, uh, you know, to get tires and, you know, um, just zip his way through the field. Uh, so, you know, I, 
could see that happen again if uh you know they have like 10 cautions to end the race like they did at the beginning of the year in fontana so um it should be an interesting race and you know the, between the cup and the xfinity races with the way we haven't seen you know this last track for the next gen car where we haven't seen it race yet but uh, xfinity has proven itself over the years to be very entertaining to watch on the saturday races there so you know looking forward to seeing how this uh this race plays out here uh this weekend Joe, what are you thinking for the Xfinity race here on Saturday? Well, I was thinking Noah Gregson because, you know, he basically should have won the last three there, the both in 2020 and last year, 2021. Somehow all of them slipped away. But uh, uh, I, I think my secondary pick would be Ty Gibbs. Um, we've seen him also be really good at these intermediate tracks. He, he ran very well last weekend at Las Vegas running the wall. Um, it's interesting that I, you know, this will be his first time, I believe at Miami in in any form of NASCAR, um, doesn't really have any truck starts under him. So, um, you know, first time at Miami for him, it it should be really interesting, but you know, given how he's been able to race and how quickly he's been able to adapt to finding these new things and the new tracks, um, I'm fully confident he, for sure, he's going to have a winning uh, team and winning car. Uh, as far as my wild card goes, I'm going to go with Sam Mayer. He's been driving the same JRM equipment that uh, Algeyer and Barry and Gregson have been winning with all year. And it seems like Mayer has really been starting to find that rhythm again. He kind of found it earlier in the summer, lost it in the late summer, and I feel like he's starting to find that again. I, I would not really a phenomenal run or any you know didn't do anything flashy in uh in these last few races but um i I can really see him i can see this track in particular given how well the jrm cars have been at the intermediates and and how well they've performed in recent years at miami Uh, i i could see him really uh breaking through and getting that first win that would be some upset if he was able to do that to go from eighth to in the final four Man, that would be something. Be a good story for him and his dad, who was a failed IRL driver back in his day. But Sam Mayer uh, has shown talent, but he's struggled at times during his uh, season here, his full rookie season in Xfinity. But he's got time, and I figure Chevy has invested in him. So if he can go in back door into the Final Four, Credit to um, credit to Sam Mayer. Um, in regards to my picks for this weekend's race, yeah, used to be there would always be a cup person, but there's no cup people, <laughs> so it makes it a lot harder. My person to win will be Trevor Bain, T Bain, uh, former winner of the Daytona 500. 11 years ago, driving for Joe Gibbs right now uh, in the Xfinity program. I'll pick uh, I'll pick Trevor Bain, and my wild card will be Sheldon Creed. Um, his speed and his ability puts him well above a lot of the people that are in the top eight uh, in points, but he didn't have a good round of 12 which is why he is where he is sheldon creed is due for a win it's been a while for him so i'm gonna go and pick him i think sheldon creed has a good shot to win saturday evening in um 
BXfinity Contender Boats 300. Last thing we're going to do before we um, get done with uh, this show, Dixie Vodka 400 at Homestead. Yeah. You're going to have 36 for 36, so um, Josh, you're going to go and start it off, so go ahead. Yeah, tee it off for the last round here. Um, yeah, I mean, this this is going to be an interesting one because, like I said earlier, we have not seen this car race at this racetrack. I mean, we've already had a good idea what's going to take place, but, you know, Homestead is so unique, a um, place where, you know, you really can run the fence uh, here, uh, and it does favor, you know, it favors the guys that know how to do it, you know, like Bell, uh, Reddick and Larson, you know, the three prominent dirt guys in this series that really know how to run the top. Uh, Hamlin's been good here over the years too. Um, but, uh, you know, this, this weekend, you know, I mean, it's going to be a real pivotal weekend here for the, the series. And, you know, I'm, I'm going to go, I'm going to go with a non-playoff guy this weekend. And, you know, I'm going to say that Tyler Reddick goes out and win this race. Um, Reddick is, uh, been really strong here in, in the playoffs, you know, probably should have made it uh you know into the round of eight but you know they just had a bad first round and you know poor luck there so i'm gonna go with him in winning this race uh you know he ran good here in 2020 um and you know he's ran good uh in 2021 at this race uh racetrack so uh gotta go you know roll with somebody that runs you know knows how to really run the top that's been running good running up front uh so we'll go with tyler reddick as uh winner there uh wild card uh i mean there's a lot of ways that you can go with this but you know i'm gonna go with uh justin haley uh why not uh he's been i guess if the strategy works which they somehow figured it out at las vegas uh you know he ran ran up front and led laps uh and actually finished good so you know if they encounter a similar situation you know they may find themselves uh you know towards the top 15 uh or you know, back half of the top 10 somehow. Um, this might be the track to do it. Uh, we'll see what happens, but, um, you know, it's going to, de- it's going to depend on how well the tire works out at the end. Um, you know, is it going to be similar to Fontana? Or is it going to be similar, you know, to, um, Las Vegas or, you know, Kansas or anything like that. So, um, it's going to be interesting to see how all that plays out. All right. So, uh, I'm going to take over now. I think I got a few good picks. So, uh, Josh, I swear it's, I swear every time you, um, or you come on, every time I come on, you take my picks, man. It's like, what the hell do you have like written out? Does the algorithm know who I'm going to pick? So you take the, is it really all just algorithm? Oh, no, no, no. Uh, no. Algorithm is only for super speedways. That's only for super oh, speedways. Okay. And we were, we're lazy. No, I, I don't know. I guess we got like similar mindsets or something. Maybe. I don't know. It's it's because um, we're junior fans. That's why. <laughs> maybe maybe that's it. Um, I'm gonna go Kyle Larson. I, I feel like just like Tyler Reddick, someone is so good at running at the wall, uh, or running not at the wall. My God, um, running along the wall. Um, and, and he probably is, should have at least one uh win over there that I can think of. Probably two or three. Um, and, and it just suits him so well. Every time we come to this track, we talk Kyle Larson, Kyle Larson, Kyle Larson. I remember for years we spoke that, man, if Kyle Larson just made the final four, it was like almost a no brainer. He would be the champion. So I'm going to low is, is my favorite. I'm going to pick Larson for my wild card. 
I'm going to stay out of the playoffs, and I'm going to go with Eric Jones. Uh, this is not really an Eric Jones type of track, and uh, I think that's fun. The reason I'm picking Eric Jones, though, is because I cannot help but think how similar this surface is to Darlington and how much just absolute perfect skill it takes to run right up along the wall at Darlington. Um, I think these tracks in, in some ways are really similar, um, in some ways very different, but uh, Jones really had him down at Darlington, man, especially at the end of the race there. Um, I think if he can find his way to the front, he'll be able to hold his own and uh, maybe take home a second trophy for RPM. Yeah, it would be something for him to go and win at Homestead. I think Eric Jones locked up his truck series title at Homestead a few years ago. Um, if he didn't, he was in position to. Um, put in the picks there, yeah, Reddick, Haley, Larson, Eric Jones. My pick for... This weekend's was it Dixie Vodka 400. The my pick for this week is going to be man, shouldn't be this hard considering where things are, but I'm gonna go I'm gonna go Chris Bell because why not? Chris Bell's rolling knowing that he needs to win. So Chris Bell getting the victory there at Homestead locks himself into the final four. The wild card all wild cards in regards to um yeah homestead race page trying to get the race results that's not available yet um in regards to the entry list my wild card is aj almendinger for uh colleague racing in the 16 car uh he's got consecutive top fives going back I think a month or month and a half it kind of makes sense why he's going to be putting a cup car because the cup car fits him better than um the xfinity car um joe let us know where he can find you on the socials and where he can find your work uh before josh and i go and close this deal yeah so um you follow me on twitter at passero jr that's p-a-s-s-e-r-o-j-r um, that is where I do all my NASCAR tweeting. So I will be doing tweeting this upcoming weekend for Miami. I will be doing tweeting the following weekend for the cup races though. Only I should put a disclaimer on that. Be doing the tweeting for Miami the following weekend at Martinsville. Um, I, I have something going on championship weekend. I am most likely going to be tweeting the championship race just because it's the championship. Um, so follow me along and follow along. Follow me along. It's getting late at night. I can't English. Um, follow along with me. Um, we'll wrap this season up. I'll keep doing my points. It's a really interesting time for the points. Um, so, you know, be sure to follow me there. Uh, it's always fun to come on guys. Thank you so much again for having me. Hopefully we get to have a conversation, uh, a little closer to Phoenix, um, you know, about the racing and everything from, you know, just the season in general. Uh, it's always fun coming on here. So thanks for giving me the platform and, uh, another good show. Thanks as always, brother, for coming on and uh, giving your time. We've went pretty long here tonight, but it kind of works out that way every time we all go and hang out with each other. So um, thanks for that, and thanks for coming on, as always, Joe. Um, Josh, uh, let us know where you can find you and find your streams for um, sim racing and also where you can find the GSP in video form yeah of course uh as always find me at jp huffine and 
see all my takes, all my opinions on things, Jaguars and racing related things and uh, other, you know, other things that I'm interested in can go on there, look at what I'm uh, talking about. Um, you know, you can find my racing streams when I'm on racing uh, at uh, usailor2 switch or twitch.twitch.tv slash usailor2. Um, you can watch me on there as I go and uh, stream and uh, run all my races and all that and do everything on iRacing and all that good stuff. Um, and you can find me or we'll find our podcast in video form, Grip Share Podcast YouTube page. Go in there, subscribe, and like our videos, share them, um, you know, comment, whatever. Uh, so, you know, uh, go on there and watch us in video form and watch all the other videos that we've had this year in video form. You can go there on uh, YouTube and uh, watch our our channel there and subscribe and uh interact with the page there um of course uh one thing i want to mention here before we close uh the uh student debt uh loans or student loans debt relief page uh is live on the um internet now so if you have student debt uh federal student debt and need relief need to apply for that go there and apply uh to that obviously you know me Joe are recent college grads. I mean, I know, Phil, you've been out of school for a while, but I don't know where you stand on that. But, you know, a lot of people need relief in some kind of way and form, and, um, you know, it's there. So uh, take the opportunity to um, fill it out and, you know, get on get on that uh, now that it's out there and, you know, we have that opportunity. So just wanted to point that out uh, for anybody that needs it. So, yeah, leave it to you, Phil, for the rest of the close. Sorry. Um, Joe, let us know where we can go and find you. Um, and, uh, before we go and close this deal here on, uh, or did you go and do that already? Yeah, we already did that. All right. So, so you can find us at Gripster podcast on your Gripster pod on Twitter. You can find me at Philip G. Matthew on Twitter. You can find us at Gripster podcast on YouTube and um you can find us anywhere where podcasts are are um, you can listen to Christian podcast and um we'll be back later this week for episode 140 to go through everything else in motorsports previewed uh, Las Vegas we previewed or reviewed everything that went on at Vegas and prior to that um so we thank you for listening and thank you for um subscribing let your friends know. Give us more downloads. Give us more subscribers so this thing can grow a little more so the executive producer can make a couple bucks off of it um, because he's Poe. Not even poor Poe. Um, with that, uh, for thanks to my boys, Josh and Joe, for doing their thing at midnight. Um, I'm Phil. We'll see you next week on the GSP. Take care. God bless. Goodbye.